Hello and welcome to Stupid Sequence, the show where we make ranked lists of things that don't matter because arguing with your friends is fun. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your other host, Scott. That's Mr. Scott to you. We're at episode 30 this week, and we'll start with a quick summary of what the show is. The goal of each episode is to create a ranked list of something, usually media-related. Scott and I will pick a topic before the show and each come prepared with a list of 10. In the first segment, we'll talk about items 10 through 6 from each of our lists, why we feel they fit the list, why they're meaningful to us, and maybe some interesting facts about them. In segment 2, we go over our top 5s in more detail, and then to finish things off in our last segment, we briefly mention any honorable mentions we have before going head-to-head and arguing over which items belong on the official top 10. This week, we're talking about the very best television programs from the 2010s. Should be a fun list. A lot of good shows. Yeah, I uh, I have, when when putting everything together here, I had uh, somewhere in the 30s on shows I was considering for the top 10. Yeah, it was a tough one for sure. And many of the ones that I eliminated, it was, it was difficult, but you know what? It had to be done. Yeah. I, I think what I learned the most throughout this list making... So there are a number of shows that I would like to go back and watch another time. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll talk about that with my number one, especially here. But my number one, I'm writing my notes for it. I was like, I have got to watch this show again. Oh, my God. So there's a few things at play here because there are obviously shows that we've both seen. So I think there's going to be some duplicates for sure. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there are... Shows in these lists that I, because, you know, doing the research, you find many lists that say these are the definitive top 10 of this era. And I'm like, okay, I've only seen five or six of these. So there sure. are a number of shows that aired during this time period that I'm like, man, if if the timing works out and I can go back and watch some of these for the first time, some have been recommended to me, some haven't. If if they're accessible and I could make the time for these, I think there's a a couple that could end up modifying this list in a, a future, let's call it a redo of this episode. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because there's a I, number uh, of shows where I'm like, dang, that show looks amazing. I've heard amazing things. I really should go back and watch this. That's a really good segue into my bonus side list for this episode. Go for it. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Um, I put a This is just a quick unordered list of shows that I have never watched from that decade, the 2010s, but I feel like I probably should. Oh, really? Um, Yes. Oh, my gosh. I almost made this same exact list, but I had no idea you did this. That was completely unintentional, but I'm glad it worked out. Hit me with the list. um, In no particular order whatsoever, we have Succession. Uh, Atlanta, yep. The Americans, yep. yep. Uh, Fleabag, yep. Ozark, ooh. Uh, the newer seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I have watched the older ones. Never got around to the more the the more recent ones. Uh, Veep, For All Mankind, Homeland, and a show that is actually on the list of um, I'm probably going to start watching this with my wife sometime in the next couple of months is uh, Better Things. 
several of the ones you just named would also be on my I would like to watch this eventually list. There are a few you did not name that I think you probably have seen. Yeah, they, maybe they would show up on my list. We'll find out. My master list here. Uh, before we dig into the actual thing here, um, I have one uh, show order of business I have to get to here. And then um, I want to talk a little bit about um, our requirements for this list. Uh, but first, to, to, to sidebar us yet again, um, we have unfinished business from the last episode where oh. um, I did not... Uh, when I was doing the edit, I realized we missed something. Um, we did not uh, have... Uh, your so your number one on your list was uh, the long weekend invented by Henry Ford. Um, Scott, I have to ask you the question: What's mm. better, the long weekend or Surf Ninjas? Oh boy, I got to go with the long weekend. Okay, it's okay. It's where I first saw Surf Ninjas. Was Very on the likely. Long weekend. Very no, I can tell you the exact time. Oh, okay. That I mean, I I can maybe not the day itself, but I can tell you it was a Friday. It was after school, and we went to the local hometown video store. And my mom said we should rent this movie. I think you'll like it. And so we rented it, and I watched it. I don't know five or six times that first weekend. Okay. And I fell in love with it. Yeah. And we we rented it from that same video store enough times that we probably should have just bought it. Yeah, most likely. But the, uh, there, we, there we have it, folks. Scott's origin story. Very good. Only took 30 episodes to get to it. There was a time during my childhood where I thought I wanted to be a ninja when I grew up. That's, a, that's an ambitious goal. Didn't work out. Instead, you're a professional podcaster. That's the same thing, right? Professional might be a bit, bit strong of a word. This is your sole core source of income. I certainly aspire to not <laughs> have that be the case. <laughs> yeah, uh, too many mouths to feed. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, all right, so uh, other thing I wanted to mention here, um, just our requirements for what we were doing to put items together for this top 10 list here of the best TV shows. Pretty much our only requirement is uh, the episodes had to have aired sometime in the 2010s. If the show started earlier than that, if it continued after that, who cares? All we are considering is, was this show in the 20, you know, did, did these episodes air in the 2010s? Anything that aired outside of that, not eligible for the discussion. We got this. We'll dive into it here with Scott. Why don't we start with your number 10? My number 10 is community. Ah. And it has some good things going for it here, but it also has some downside, which is why it's my number 10. It Uh, is on my honorable mentions list. With the consideration, it does eliminate the first half of season one Mm -hmm. because those all aired in 2009. But... Those are some really good episodes. They I was, sure are. I was looking through which ones that actually eliminates, and it has some of my favorite episodes, and it has some of my favorite lines that I still quote to this day. It's got the initial development of Troy and Ovid's relationship, and I just mm-hmm. I feel like 
There's so many things that happen in those first, it's about 12, I think, episodes that aren't in consideration here, that it's enough to really say, yeah, this isn't like a number one show. As much as I love Community, you got to look at it through its full scope of, of what we're discussing. And uh, unfortunately, it also includes seasons five and six, which yeah. Troy's final season and then the extra one, which are okay. Not some not great episodes in there, but they're okay. So some really, really good ones that are in consideration. A lot of very funny story arcs and the way that they tell things. I I just I feel like there's. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking that I think plays really well into the comedy of the show. And there's a, a number of iconic episodes that are included in this, enough to make it definitely worthwhile. And uh, and that includes like the pillow fort or the blanket fort episodes. Sure. The D&D episode, which I guess is now not on Netflix because people have problems with... Uh, blackface uh, supposed blackface right i mean it's, it's it's not blackface no it's not but it's it's why it was removed uh but the D episode and I, there's there, there's a number of very funny episodes but unfortunately it also like i said eliminates a few of the better ones in my mind um that first paintball episode yeah oh man uh the football episode where they try to get troy to join the college football team yep as maybe one of the uh, the funniest lines in that one, where there's a back and forth between Jeff and and Troy, and uh, ultimately he turns it on him, and he's like, "That's racist." He's like, "That's gay." He's like, "You can." <laughs> just the back and forth between the two of them. It's uh, he's like, "Damn," <laughs> I don't know. It's just pretty funny the way that that all played out. Troy and I you know had definitely standouts of the show for sure. Yeah. So I just. With the elimination of those first 12 episodes and the inclusion of the last two seasons, I, I find it hard to place it much higher on my list. But again, some some very good ones in there. Really, really like those. And fantastic show overall. Group of Friends, Community College, if you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend it. Start from the beginning. If you end after season four, maybe part of season five, you'd probably be okay. Yeah, season three, I think, is like peak community. Oh, yeah. Although, yeah, you know what? It is. It is. It's really coming into its own at that point. But at a certain turning point, right, Chevy Chase's character just becomes less ignorant and more racist. Sure. More more like himself, I guess. Turns out Trevor he's a Chase, real piece of legendary crap. Legendary asshole. Yep. Anyway, that's my number 10. Why don't we move on? What's your number 10? Uh, my number 10 is a little show that just managed to sneak its way onto the list, despite me initially thinking it's probably going to land a bit higher for me. Uh, this is 2019's Watchmen uh, hmm. from creator Damon Lindelof. Uh, there was just the one season of this show, so all of it is in consideration for the list. Sure. So, um, I haven't watched it. This show is a sequel to the original Watchmen graphic novel, not the movie. 
Um, there's some pretty key, especially with the ending, um, there's some pretty key differences between the graphic novel and the movie, um, which I am going to spoil one element of here. I, I don't really consider this a major spoiler because I'm not going to get into why any of this happens. I guess skip 30 seconds ahead if you do not want to hear it. Last warning. Okay. Uh, most notably, the end of the graphic novel specifically involves a disaster involving a large alien squid-like creature, and the after effects of that are felt heavily in this show. It's because this show is set 34 years after those events. It's an oddly specific number. takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Watchmen stars the absolutely wonderful Regina King as police detective Angela Abar. Uh, three years prior to the events of the show, a vigilante group inspired by Rorschach, the character from the original Watchmen comic, um, the, this vigilante group attacks the homes of most of the Tulsa Police Department. As a result, members of the department then adopt superhero-like personas, like secret identities, to try and protect themselves and their families, which is a really bizarre thing that just everyone takes for granted at this point in the show. And every this show is deeply, deeply weird. Uh, so we have Angela Abar, our main character, takes on the persona of Sister Knight, who is a, a, like a nun-themed character who wears a habit and everything. Um, she's very what? cool. Uh-huh. Um, and so she's just, she and other cops are just going around dressed as superheroes doing their cop jobs. There's a, this, there's another. This sounds like kick-ass, but with adults. Uh, it's way, way better than kick-ass. Kick-ass is fine. The show is incredible. I thought the first kick-ass movie was really good. It's fine. It's a solid C-plus movie. Um, in my opinion. So, uh. The store, I'm not going to dig too heavily into what's going on here because it's there's a lot of weird stuff. It's Watchmen. It's a continuation of the Watchmen story. And if you've seen Watchmen, you've read the book, you know it's very weird already. This gets even weirder. Um, but the story focuses primarily on uh, her investigation into a white supremacy group and heavily features influence from the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921. It's a big, heavy focus on talking about racism and white supremacy and the effects of that um, in this show. Um, and they delve into it in some really, really fascinating ways. Uh, and I guess the last thing I'll just say here is the story goes some truly wild places. Uh, a lot of really great performances here. Uh, and, you know, it's it's one season. It's like 10 episodes. You can get through it pretty quick. Definitely that was going to be my question. Okay. Add that to my list of things I haven't watched. Who's watching The Watchmen? Well, not this guy yet. Uh, and we'll definitely hear from creator Damon Lindelof later on my list. Ooh, one per creator. Sorry. Nope, that's one per franchise. Mm-hmm. Same, same universe, I'm pretty sure. Definitely not going to be the same universe. Mm. Okay. Agree to disagree. Okay. What's okay. your number nine? Yeah. All right. My number nine is Parks and Recreation. Okay. Figured this will be making your list. Yeah. It was hard not to make it on my list with this one. Um, the cutoff of 2010 actually helped it quite a bit because it eliminates the first season entirely and half of the second one. And the first two seasons are really, really mediocre because it was still finding its voice at that point. 
didn't quite know who the characters were actually meant to be. It was more in the spirit of kind of a successor to the office as opposed to its own thing. And even though it's a similar style and does have some similarities, it is definitely its own show and it comes into its own after the second season. So while we're still contending with a portion of the second season, this really, really does help. Um, we eliminate all the Mark Brandanowitz stuff, which, you know, boring. Uh, the still figuring out who Leslie is, right, as as a woman in power who's kind of an idiot versus somebody who's a go-getter and aspires to greater things. And I already talked a bunch about her. Shout out to Leading Women episode. That was a good one. Yeah, we're going to hear about that episode a couple more times on on the on this episode, I think. I think you're right. And I mean there's just some really really great episodes after that. It's uh you know, it's you you grow to love many of the characters. There's there's even depth and development to the the people on the show, growth even. I I I even enjoyed the last season which was a little bit later, but it also included kind of Leslie's career and political aspirations after she leaves Pawnee and kind of into the future and hints at more, but I thought it was a, a fine wrap up. Although I thought it was over at one point and I'm like, Oh, there's more episodes. Okay. But beyond that, there's some really likable characters here. There are a lot of funny moments and, and many storylines that I, I mean, I, I love uh, Benjamin Scott in the, in his role. I, I, uh, or excuse me, Adam Scott as uh, That's not a different Benjamin person. Scott. Yeah, I meant Adam Scott. Anyway, he's great. Uh, yeah, especially in this. And so the addition of him and oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Chris, not Chris Pratt. The other he's Chris. Well, he is in the show, but that's not who I'm referring to. See another Chris on the cast list here. No. Uh, sorry. Character name is Chris. It's played Rob by Rob Lowe. Yes. Okay. Yes, sorry. And uh, Adam Scott has been Wyatt. But the point being, the addition of those two and the elimination of Mark Brandanowitz was the perfect direction of the show. And Ben and Chris add a ton to the depth of the show. It expands it into other cities and and just provides another angle uh, to the, the overall viewing. And I just thought the episode depth as a result of that was really, really good. So, yeah, easy, easy addition to my list. It was a little bit higher, but then I remembered other shows that I was like, oh, crap, I forgot to put this in. Uh, as much as I like my comedies they pale in comparison to many of the dramas sure. that that I have on my list. So I that was my number comedy nine. in my top five. I will not, I will not spoil what I have. Interesting. Okay. What is your number nine? Uh, my number nine is uh, another show we've discussed previously 
on a lot of these shows we've probably talked a little bit about here and there on the podcast. Uh, my number nine is Game of Thrones, which aired from 2011 to 2019, so all eight seasons are in contention. This is from creators David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. So this is my number two. Wow, okay. Did um, not expect this to be that high for you. I expected it to be higher for you. I... You know what? Go ahead. Why don't you start and I'll I'll go from there. And I'm going okay. to minimize the spoilers as much as possible. Sure. I don't really talk about story at all in my section here. Go so, for it. So uh, we've previously talked on the show about how Game of Thrones screwed up its ending. But prior to that, it really was one of the best shows on TV, especially those first six seasons. <clears throat> uh, book three of a song of ice and fire is uh titled storm of swords a top 10 all-time fantasy book for me and they really do a spectacular job of adapting that book in seasons three and four so so much happens in that book that they had to take a whole two seasons to cover it uh then then they directly turn around and season five of the show adapts the next two books feast for crows and dance with dragons two books where very little happens so they had the best book they spent two seasons on and the worst books they spend one season on to total combined. Yeah. Uh, and I really appreciated that they did that after that, they kind of go off in their own direction and start making up their own stuff. Cause they had run out of books, um, that George R. R. Martin had completed and you know, your mileage may vary on where exactly it dips in quality. Um, I, I think season six is still quite good. And then seven is where it starts waning a bit. And eight is kind of where it really starts hurting. Um, but you know, the, those first six, especially, and especially seasons three and four, just some truly, truly excellent storytelling, a lot of fantastic characters, really great production values. And, you know, my, I think ultimately my favorite thing about this show is how it kind of revived the interest in putting fantasy shows on television. Uh, and I like fantasy a whole bunch. Perhaps if you've listened to the show before, you've, you've, you've made that connection for me, but, uh, yeah, I might and have then, known uh, that about you. Just, uh, just wanted to list a few of my favorite characters here: uh, Arya Stark, Sir Davos Seaworth, Tyrion Lannister, Jacques and Hagar, and uh, we'll say earlier seasons Jon Snow and Daenerys. So while this is my number two, I need to I need to be completely transparent about where I stand with this, right? Okay. I have not watched season eight. In fact, I don't even know that I've watched all of season seven. So I'm okay. Interesting. I am somewhere in between. But as I was making this list, I was thinking about what it means to be the best show in the 2010s, something that really defines that entire era. And with this show running literally from 2011 to 2019, it is the era. It defines find the era sure absolutely the slow burn storytelling the fact that it was a fantasy genre the twists the build-up and ultimate demise of several characters i really feel like this show had it all it was the perfect combination for any nerd initially but then it grew in popularity so much that it expanded well into the pop culture realm 
And as a result, it became one of the most watched shows of all time. With, of course, the anticipation of season eight to be the finish of it. Which, you know, again, some people were disappointed by, I guess. But that being said, when I think about the 2010s as a whole, this show is the 2010s. This was the the show that everybody talked about during that decade. It is incredibly difficult to talk about this list and not include that. Sure. My reasoning for it being so high up was just the fact that it is the definitive 2010 show. And beyond that, I really, really enjoyed it. And I've rewatched the stuff that I have seen up through, I think, season five at least twice. And I think that's largely because, oh, the next season's coming out. Better rewatch the old one. And so I ended up rewatching a few times along the way. I think given that I haven't finished it, I might start over. It'd be nice if yeah, I could have someone along for the ride, through. though. A yeah, lot to get through. It is. It's a big commitment. And that's my one hesitation, really. Like but beyond what? that, I mean... This show's incredible. Two episodes or something total, I think. Sword fights, dragons. It's got war. It has a a lot of interesting characters, a lot of hateable characters, a lot of lovable characters. I just really feel like it was the total package and that we would be remiss not to include it on our combined list because it is absolutely the definitive 2010s show. To be clear here, this is uh, definitely uh, a show, you know, number nine for me is I have, like I said, I have, what, like 28 honorable mentions here. Uh, So it's hotly, hotly contested spots in in the top 10 here. So the fact that it even made my number nine is it beat out a tremendous amount of other shows to get there. So good on you, Game of Thrones. Even if you didn't stick the landing. Still a great show. I will finish it at some point, and I will render my full opinion. But until then, I'm going to stick with it at my number two. This this is the 2010s show. It's not my number one, but man, it's uh, it it was close. Yeah, my my number one, number two, pretty close as well. I'm fairly confident neither of them are on your list. Nope, but I think I know which one. Which ones they are. Um, What's your number eight? My number eight is a little bit of an unusual one. Um, It is a show that hasn't ended yet. Technically. Mm -hmm. Um, One of two on my list that have technically not ended yet. Um, I am talking about True Detective, which started in 2014, and uh, the the fourth season of which is going to air sometime. They're working on it right now, I believe. Uh, I am only talking exclusively about... While all three seasons can be in contention, I have only watched through season one. Um, and you know, I've heard season two is terrible, and I've heard season three is pretty good. have not watched them. Is this them. the Woody Harrelson... Yes, this is, this is Matthew McConaughey, Woody okay. Harrelson. This is on my list of to watch, have not watched. Uh, this is another one that, at least for this first season, you extremely should watch this show. It is That season is truly incredible. 
It's a, it's an anthology show, so each season is a totally different story, totally different cast, completely unrelated to each other, other than we're telling weird detective stories. Okay. Uh, kind of like uh, Fargo. Sure. Um, okay. This, uh, this first season, like I said, focuses on Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson playing detectives investigating ritualistic murders that are happening in rural Louisiana. Um. Truly incredible performances from the whole cast, but the real standout here is Matthew McConaughey's Rust Cole. Uh, he's one of the most nihilistic and cynical characters I have ever seen on television and movies, honestly. Um, just a really, really unique character, and watching him bounce off of Woody Harrelson's more down-to-earth Marty Hart is extremely compelling. Uh, the show is frequently very disturbing and truly engrossing, I can't recommend it more highly. I I cannot dig into any spoiler stuff here because the show is too good to spoil. Um, You just need to watch it. You just need to immerse yourself in it. And you can, I I think it's only like eight episodes. You can really just burn through it. Um, uh, It's very, very weird. And another thing we're going to hear a lot about weird shows on my list. It's a really, truly an incredible show. Um, It, you know, I'm I'm putting it down at number eight here for me because I've only watched that first season, and by all accounts, that second season is very bad. Um, but you know, it it that just as one self-contained story, that first season got it onto my top ten. Wow! Uh, and then one one shout out I want to make here. Uh, I I am a sucker for long takes uh, in TV and film, and season, episode four has one of my favorite ones. I've ever seen is a six minute long, uh, long take that is, uh, also a tracking shot and they do some just really crazy stuff in there. So if nothing okay. else, that is alone worth watching. Okay. I'll definitely bump it up a few slots on my two watch list. Sounds like something that my wife would also really like. So maybe worthwhile to pursue when we have time together to watch it. Yeah, that's a, that's a, like, not a big time commitment, so you can just get through it. All right. All right, what's up next for you? My number eight is BBC's Sherlock. Oh, no. Oh, yes. We've, we've hit one of my dishonorable mentions. Oh, see, this is where you're wrong, and I'm going to warn everyone, there will be spoilers discussed. Hey, this show is trash. No, this show is incredible. It's so bad. Absolutely incredible. There's, no, there's no, two no, good no, episodes no. of it, but other than that, it's trash. No, the first three seasons are phenomenal. Oh, that third season is so bad. Oh, my you're, God. You're thinking of the fourth season. No, I'm thinking of the third season. I hated it. I, I didn't really? watch the fourth season because of how bad the third season was. Oh, then you missed out on... Also, some really good episodes in the fourth season. The fourth season, overall, there's some weird story arcs going on with his sister. But there are some really hateable characters. Again, it's uh, almost like an H.H. Holmes type thing going on. With secret doors and killings. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, but that being said, right, Benedict Cumberbatch is a very talented Sherlock. I think he does it very well. The yeah, high-functioning sociopath. He's, he's good. He is good as Sherlock. Convincing. Martin Freeman, also. John Watson, just incredible. Martin Freeman's always great. 
He is. I I think the, the acting is not the problem on this show. No. But I also think that John Watson and Bilbo Baggins, both played by him, feel like almost the same character. And it's not just this, the fact that he's playing both of them. Very similar, similar mannerisms in some respect. And it's kind of a weird, weird fact that he got to play both those people. And of course, yeah, they're Benedict, both kinda... Benedict Cumberbatch was Smaug, so... Yeah, they're, they're both kind of characters that um, are kind of the audience stand-in and that are put alongside much weirder people that they kind of have to put up with. Yeah. Now, part of the, the sign of a great series for me is rewatchability, and I know we're going to discuss that more, but the fact uh, that, I mean, I've watched the first three seasons, including that pilot, which has um, maybe one of the better episodes in it, um, with the, yeah, the first episode's good. taxi driver. Study in pink. No, no. The one before that, the pilot. What? The unaired pilot with the taxi oh, driver. That. Have you I not? Oh, you should go watch that one because it's I'm very, very to. good. I, I'm, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm 1000% done with this show. <laughs> oh, I've watched them like three to four times in total. Right, so beyond that, right, there's, there's a lot that happens, right? The fall and death and rebirth. And I love the fact that Anderson, who was just absolutely hated Sherlock, and Sherlock hated him, you know, one of the other detectives on the, the squad mm-hmm. becomes, he becomes the believer, the leader of the believers of the people that think he, that Sherlock isn't really dead and uh, deep into the conspiracy theories. And man, there's, there's a lot of really funny moments in those, but yeah, unfortunately that last season arc not great. Um, I will say the abominable, the abominable, bride episode which was another like episode zero of season four it was a, a christmas special yeah um, bbc likes doing their christmas specialty kind of things well sure yeah i mean you do the same thing for doctor who but oh, yeah. very 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 good um but the last three episodes are all surrounding a sister and the past and it just it feels distinctly different than the first three seasons and even yeah that magnus stuff with uh or the Magnuson stuff at the end of season three. It's not great, but you know, overall I just feel like this show does right by Sherlock Holmes as a character. I I felt like it was really well acted. I thought the storylines and the way they connected parts of it were also great. Um, Moriarty, I just, I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but he, he did a phenomenal job and played it almost like a madman, almost I, Joker-esque, but with more intelligence. Their depiction of Moriarty is one of the reasons I hate this show. Really? It's just awful, awful, awful misread of the character. Oh my gosh, really? You could not stand it. Did you prefer the t- the movie one where he's a little bit of an older, kind of gruff guy versus like an RDJ on the opposing side? Um, I, I don't remember the, the Moriarty from the movie as much. Um, okay. the, the movie's kind of, a, you know, the, the Sherlock, or obviously the, the Robert Downey Jr. movies specifically, cause there've been a million Sherlock, ad- Sherlock Holmes adaptations. Um, you know, those are, those are their own kind of separate goofy thing that I enjoyed well enough, but they're, they're not the different by any means. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very Guy Ritchie, goofy action kind of thing. Right. You know? 
Okay, well, uh, you know, bottom line here, first several seasons, very good. The acting in the the show is incredible. I think it's a great representation. Unfortunately, they kind of left the series on a bit of a sour note with that last total arc, and so for that reason, I ended up rating it a little bit lower on my list, but given how many times I've watched this, how much I've really enjoyed it, and the fact that I even went back to watch it again and realized that it had been removed from, I think it was Netflix, I was like, oh, that, that kind of sucks. So the the fact that I even noticed that it was gone kind of sealed it for me, made it on my top 10. Uh, I'm sorry you don't like Moriarty, but great show. Just a great show. I will say shout out to uh, Una Stubbs, who played Mrs. Hudson. Uh, She passed a couple years ago. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. She's 84. Does a wonderful job. Yeah. Very, very fun. Very fun, Mrs. Hudson. Let's move on. What's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is uh, a show that I know you have also enjoyed. This is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, hmm. which ran from 2013 through 2021. Uh, so we are only considering seasons one through six of eight mm-hmm. here. Uh show is created by Dan Gore and Michael Schur, uh, who, you know, Michael Schur, also creator on Parks and Rec. So he gets around in the sitcom world. Also this one of the creators is, uh, on The Office. Yep. Is on my honorable mentions. Did not make my top ten. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, yes, really. Wow, I thought that I I thought pretty good chance this would have made it for you. Uh, so this is period the best sitcom of the decade. Um, it's a very very goofy show focusing on the detectives of Brooklyn's ninety ninth precinct. Uh, main character here is Andy Samberg's Jake Peralta, uh, who is perhaps the most goofball cop that has ever existed on TV. <laughs> We've got uh, Andre. Hard Browers. to disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, Andre Brower's stern Captain Holt and Joe LaTrulio's bizarre Charles Boyle are easily my favorite characters on the show, but the whole cast is really excellent. Uh, some standout episodes here for me. Um, Halloween heists. Uh, DFW is the episode that features the Backstreet Boys cold open, which is mm. one of the best cold opens on any television show ever. Um, any appearance of the any appearance of the Pontiac Bandit. Uh, and then the episodes The Box, uh, which is the uh, one featuring uh, Rosa Diaz coming out as bisexual, and uh, Beach House, the episode where um, uh, a couple of the characters are on vacation and run into uh, a despondent Captain Holt who is also on vacation. And Holt in that episode is one of the funniest things I've seen on TV in a long time. Really, really great show. Worth watching. Um, there's a lot of episodes of it. Uh, we're only considering seasons one through six here. And, you know, I would say, I, I don't know that that necessarily strengthens or hurts it really. There's a lot of great episodes throughout the whole run. So including those last two seasons are, are quite good. Um, so, but it's not, I don't think it's necessarily like better or worse than what came before. So really, really solid run throughout from, from start to finish. It it does feel like it was a very consistent show. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I did enjoy watching it, and I can think of many parts of it that I find extremely enjoyable, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to rate it to a top ten. It was close, yeah. you know, probably made a top fifteen, but yeah, it was it was tough tough goings on this list. I mean, yeah, definitely cutthroat, definitely cutthroat. I'd also definitely. like to give a shout out to a couple of my favorite things: the boil pizza episodes. 
where he's doing the podcast and rating various New York pizzas. Boyle's the best. Boyle is Boyle is the best. And also the love of the fantasy novels that spawns from the investigation surrounding them because Terry Crews' character has read all the novels and knows all about it and then meets oh, yeah, his they're, hero. They're in-universe fictional fantasy series. Yeah, they're George R. R. Martin-esque character. And yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a, the that's whole storyline. It's the storyline with that, but then the redux of that where they meet him again later. Uh-huh. And at that point, Jake has read all of the books and is obsessed with it as much as uh sergeant and at that point it's like they're both talking at the same time saying the same things and i'm like oh my god there's like super nerddom going on it just it does show the development of jake as a character to go from just like lovable goofball to maybe he's actually maturing in some sense and starting to read in his spare time which is almost unheard of from season one two three jake you know yeah they, 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 i think they do what well, that's something i didn't have to listen to my notes here but i they you don't always get this on a lot of sitcoms but you know a sitcom that ran over eight seasons i think you get a real sense of growth from all the characters in the show definitely except for gina uh yes <laughs> yes i would agree with that and maybe kevin cosner <laughs> Who's that? And that's uh, Captain Holt's husband. Oh, yes. Kevin is. There's a little bit with Kevin. Kevin's great. Kevin Cosner. Is that the same guy from Dances with Wolves? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, why don't we move on to my number seven? Yeah, let's do that. My number seven is one that I am very certain you have not seen. It is. Okay. A Series of Unfortunate Events. Yeah, I didn't watch that. So, for those of you who don't know, A Series of Unfortunate Events is a series of 13 children's novels written by American author Daniel Handler, but it was under the pen name Lemony, Lemony Snicket, which is a great name. Just a just a really fun name to say. Real quick, before we dive in here, I have a quick Please. story about Lemony Snicket I want to tell. Oh, go for it. Um, when these books were newer and popular... Um, my aunt uh, convinced my cousin, who was probably uh, around 11, 12 at the time, maybe a little bit older, um, that she was Lemony Snicket. She Your had aunt. she had him totally convinced that she was Lemony Snicket. Because Lemony Snicket, what? obviously, a pen name. She had him completely convinced. For Is a this a, uh, a sister of your, your mom? My dad. Your dad. Your dad. Your dad's sister. Yes. The one that I saw recently. Yes. She really? Uh-huh. I would not have expected that from her. Oh my gosh. That makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Anyway, continue. I man, I, I have a new perspective on her. Anyway, so the books follow the turbulent lives of orphaned siblings Violet, Klaus, and Sonny Baudelaire. And after their parents' unfortunate death in a fire, the children are placed in the custody of a murderous villain, Count Olaf, who attempts to steal their inheritance and causes numerous disasters with the help of his accomplices as the children attempt to flee. 
And as the plot progresses, the Baudelaire's gradually confront further mysteries surrounding their family and deep conspiracies involving a secret society. Now, I, I will not be spoiling too much of this because I, I think it's important that if you haven't watched this, it's a very fun watch. And not young kids, per se, but like that, like you said, 11, 12, preteen, maybe even teenage year children, I think would really get a kick out of this. And uh, in in this one in particular, Neil Patrick Harris, his performance as Count Olaf is incredible. Especially when compared to Jim Carrey's version in the movie, which is... Which I also have not seen. I mean, it's it's fine. It's enjoyable. It's different, though. I think sure. Neil Patrick Harris is just incredibly talented anyway, and so his rendition of this and the way that he behaves, it's, it is more true to the characters intended in the books. And, and the Baudelaire children, of course, in this are all portrayed very well also. Um, beyond that, I mean, it's the bravery, it's the intelligence, it's the wisdom that they have, it's beyond their years. I mean, it's just great. But the story is, like I said, better than the Jim Carrey movie, uh, but it is very true to the books. And, you know, my wife's read all of them. I've, I haven't read all of them, read most of them, but thoroughly enjoyed this from start to finish. I've read the first three books, so I'm at least familiar with what's going on here. Okay. And I can tell you the accuracy in the show is also very, very good and makes it that much more enjoyable. But the fact that they have so many bad things happen to them with ignorant adult characters, finding so many people to cast all of these different roles as the story just kind of moves to the next scene, as you would say, it's incredible. I don't know how they did it, but everything that happens is worse than the last thing. And of course it keeps going down and down and down. It's not a good story. It's not meant to be a good story, like good in the sense of happy. It's not a feel good story. But that's part of the appeal of this, right? It's a little bit dark, but it's also kind of in that teenage-friendly section. Anyway, sure. huge winner on our house. We watched every episode uh, together, uh, us and the older kids, and and they really enjoyed it as well. So, you know, they're I, very I think... short books. Oh yeah, super super short. Yeah, when I said I read the first three books, that was in a day. I was going to say it probably was like a weekend at most, but yeah, yeah. I was, I was homesick from school and these books, when these books came out, they were, a, I was a little old for them. Um, and I read those first three when I was homesick from school one day and I went, these are all right. I don't think I need to read any more of these. Yeah. They have a little bit of a dark edge to them, but like not overly dark. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, borderline I, it's a real real tim burton dark going on here let's yeah say. okay yeah i that i would agree with that they are i would say adjacent to nightmare before christmas in the way sure. that they're told right sure. spooky-esque and it's meant to be kind of semi-victorian gothic as well so thematically also kind of appropriate mm-hmm. anyway really really good I I enjoyed the entire series start to finish and the entire series was 
done in that time frame. I believe it was 2017 to 19. So really, really good. Highly recommend it. Definitely recommend the books as well. Uh, like Josh said, quick reads. But, you know, if you read a book and then watched the corresponding portion of the series, I think you'd probably get some really good mileage out of that. Anyway, that's all I got for number seven. What's your number six? Uh, my number six is another show I know you've watched. Um, this is Fargo, which is the other one on my list that technically has not ended yet because they are doing a fifth season. I believe that is in production right now. Your number six, a.k.a. my number four. Okay, pretty close between us there. Uh, so yeah, the show started 2014, um, and there have been four seasons. Season four, I think it was 2020. So we are only talking about seasons one through three here, and that's not a big loss because season four, in my opinion, is the worst season. It's not bad by any means, but it haven't watched changes. It changes tone significantly um, from the first three seasons, and I just don't think it fits the overall tone of the show. I, I like the tone of those first and structure of those first three seasons more. Sure. So dig into a little bit here. Once Fargo, the show, obviously there's the TV show, um, or the movie, I mean, uh, from the Coen brothers, uh, which is very, very good movie. I, I would recommend you watch that if you're going to watch this show. Uh, the show is less an adaptation of the story of the film it's named after, and it's more of an adaptation of the narrative structure and the overall vibes coming off of it. So it's another anthology show like, um, like true detective, uh, and season one, Hughes the closest to the original film, but in my opinion, actually surpasses it. And don't get me wrong, I think the movie is really excellent, but the story told by season one and the performances it contains just absolutely blew me out of the water. Uh, I won't get into the details too much here because the show focuses... Um, Shout out but, to Marvin, Martin Freeman again. Yeah, Martin Freeman showing up again here um, as as our kind of main main character, Denizen of Fargo. If you want to hear, if you'll want to hear Martin Freeman talk in the Fargo accent, don't you don't you know? Um, Oofta, just the the Minnesota um, going on there. You know, no, I will say North Fargo, Dakota, notably, nor, notably Fargo is North Dakota. The show and the movie primarily take place actually in Minnesota, right? Um, so, uh, but yeah, so generally the show focuses on the idea of ordinary people getting caught up in the world of organized crime, like the movie does. And each season is the, how true detective, the seasons are completely unconnected Fargo. There are very loose connections from season to season. Um, you know, the, uh, yeah, one and two, they for take sure. place, they take place in different time periods. You might have a character in one be related to a character from another season, stuff like that. I think you could probably say, largely without spoiling too much, that season one is the Molly Solverson story arc. Season two is the Molly's dad story arc from years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, and we had talked about Mar Molly Solverson um, in the our best leading TV women female characters yeah. yep. um, episode. She is truly fa fantastic. Uh, so yeah, seasons one and three here are my favorites. Uh, season one features the an unassuming Martin Freeman, uh, determined tech detective Al uh, Allison Tolman, who plays Molly Solverson, and the spectacularly evil Billy Bob Thornton, who is turning in one of my all-time favorite performances in anything. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton cannot say enough of just how much I love him. He is just this criminal agent of chaos, almost 
satanic not satanic in the sense of like oh cultish and anything like that but like like when you interact with him it's like that kind of like did i interact with the devil kind of a thing um that you vibes you get off the character it's just absolutely incredible to watch every second he's on screen Uh, so when i recently saw you and i brought up fargo it was because i was recently thinking about it from my preparation for this episode it just so happened that it made sense in the context of the conversation that we were having and i think it was your dad that pointed out the uh the interchange between the uh the guys that were pulled over and the cop yeah it's explaining to them pulled over by colin hanks's cop yeah very good very good conversation. The very good scene there. Spectacularly written, spectacularly well acted. What a show. Uh, season three, also my other favorite season, features Ian McGregor playing rival twin brothers and Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the bad influenced love interest of one of the brothers. Uh, most notably, uh, she is a parolee and he is a probation. He is her probation officer and they end up in a relationship and that's, you shouldn't do that. That's not good. <laughs> um, allegedly yeah that's uh it's not like there's any laws against it geez uh the uh fun side note here um this show has twice led to on-screen love interests getting married in real life uh season two's uh kirsten dunst and jesse plemons ended up getting married after being on the show and then it happened again in season three with ewan mcgregor and mary elizabeth winstead so i didn't think about that yeah, pretty pretty funny that it happened twice from the same show, back-to-back seasons. So who from season four is going to end up married? <laughs> Martin Freeman. Not, not, as, not as many love needs, interest needs storylines going Molly on Molly Salverson. No, okay. Yeah, in season four, anyway. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to season four. Whenever that comes out, I will extremely watch that because the show is incredibly good. It is very good. That's why it's my number four. And I really don't have too much to add here. It just start to finish. It it feels like a complete package. I I have rewatched portions of this, and I would say I could do it again without issue. I really really enjoyed it. It's a full yeah, package show. I will certainly want to rewatch at least seasons one and three again. I don't know if I need to re go through the whole thing per se, but those two seasons I really really love. I don't know. Season two, I really like season two for sure. Molly's dad as his younger self. um, I don't know if I like the ending of that so much, but you know what? We talked about that briefly. Uh, Mike Milligan in that season, a really fun character as well. Oh yeah. Oh man. If there's one thing I've learned from putting this list together, it's man, I want to go back and watch some of these shows again because some of those same feelings of falling in love with a show for the first time type of thing. I want to feel yeah, that this one, again. This one really grabbed me and I was really bummed. I couldn't squeeze it in my top five, but there's just better shows out there. Hmm. We shall see. We shall see. Why don't we jump over to your number six to round out this segment? Sounds good. My number six, a show I think you have also seen is stranger things. Ah, yes. Honorable mention for sure. And uh, included in this one will be seasons one through three, which I think 
enhances yes, a little definitely. bit. Definitely, definitely uh, the better portion of the show. I did enjoy season four. I I don't know that it was the best season. Oh, I would totally agree. Each season of Stranger Things has been not as good as the previous one, in my mm. opinion. Not, no, no, not to say was not to say that two. season four is bad. No, I say I liked I liked two more than three. Um, I think, but okay. Um, but not not to say that season four is bad. It's extremely messy. They needed an editor really bad, but I still enjoyed it. Okay, yeah, fair. So, Stranger Things. For those of you who have not watched it at all, it is a Hawkins, Indiana-based teen group that are convinced the mysterious disappearance of their friend Will is not just a random happenstance. And uh, so they start to investigate. And I think what really drives home the popularity of this show, a number of things, but it's a little bit of the nostalgia factor. Oh, yeah. It feels like you're in the 80s again when you watch this movie or watch this show. And I'm sure people are reminiscing or, oh, I had a bike just like that. Or, oh, I remember going to a middle school dance and my hair looked just like that or you know some of the trends at the time the initial love of D, some of the nerdy friend groups just being with your friends in general uh, some of the way the love interests are portrayed like between steve and nancy or you know as that develops later on i just really feel like it, it hits a certain chord with the target audience that people find it super relatable and as a result it grew in popularity on top of that the visuals are awesome the music is really really fantastic very very good music i i love the stranger things theme song just as a a whole and throughout the entire series they've had accompanying songs that have worked out really well including of course metallica and the most recent season but that's not included here uh, so in season one, eh, and I'll kind of give a brief overview here, right? Season one, like I said, Will Byers goes missing, and there's a whole string of investigations happening, and some side stories, and some friend interactions, and in in a way that definitely mimic how things were when we were growing up. Um, it it just the whole thing start to finish is kind of incredible. Beyond that, it's also the introduction of Eleven. Uh, it's the appearance of the Demogorgon as a monster, which the fact that they brought a D&D type being into this universe, right, from from the upside down, I think that's awesome as a just a general concept, um, kind of playing more into, like you were saying, not just fantasy, but like sci-fi almost in the way that it's approached in the the context of this story this uh th- this first season really blew me away when i watched it for the first time because i'd heard uh it's a netflix show netflix original shows are pretty new still at that point um yep. 2016 and that that reputation hadn't been ground into the dust yet <laughs> um, right. and you're like okay people are really saying it's good okay and my wife and i decided she wanted to watch it and like yeah all right we'll give it a shot and we watched it and i was like this is very good this is very compelling um and, and I, it's that, a that fun f- watch yeah 
the kids are good good it's a good good child actors but you don't good get cast. a lot bunch of nobodies yep nobody had ever heard at of the time sure of of any of them yet uh and they do they do really great stuff in that first season mm-hmm and it's it's not just all fun loving detective type stuff not it's not all goonies esque there's mm-hmm. some some darker elements here too oh yeah strong horror elements in this show for sure yeah I- increasingly sh- sh- increasingly much as the show goes on um at, at times i think they maybe go a little overboard with it mm. but that first season that first season had like a really good level of it i think and they've ramped that up like aggressively over time, and like um, you get into season, even through season three, but season four as well, just some really, really gruesome stuff. Yeah, season three in particular, at least for the consideration of this list, right? Yeah. So I guess I won't spoil too much. They're looking for their friend Will. There's other disappearances. There's other ongoings. Moving into season two. You know, it's more of the same, but it's like an extension, right? You saw the Demogorgon, you went to the Upside Down, you dealt with that situation, but turns out there's more to that. And uh, it's the introduction of the Demo Dogs, which are, you know, kind of mini Demogorgons. Uh, And then the Mind Flare as a larger presence enemy. And... I, I thought season two was just okay from that perspective. But it had that one really bad episode. Which one? The one with the the other kids. Late in the season. Eleven and the other kids. Uh oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. The, where she the, goes the one to that search everyone, out, yeah. That everyone hated. I gotcha. The one, yeah, she goes to search out the uh the other kids that were in the yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I gotcha. And I don't wanna spoil that too much i think that's sure. it's not a, that important to the uh the discussion that's why i'm here. talking vaguely about it uh but that being said season two uh, yeah it was fine but season three you know it's a step further with the mind flare it's uh introduction of billy and he might have been, been introduced in it's a real good dirtbag character it, yeah he really is but he's introduced he, in season two but you get a yeah. lot more of him in season three Oh, yeah. And you kind of, you almost feel bad for him. And especially with the way that things work out, I just, I, it's hard not to discuss this without spoiling it, but there is a lot going on here. And I think at, at the end of the day, the overarching, the overarching storyline that you're, you're seeing here that unfolds as, as part of the, the universe that is surrounding the Hawkins, Indiana laboratory and the invo- the Russian involvement I just I think this show start to finish you know seasons one through three just amazing I really really enjoyed it and I think season three like I said was better than two it's surrounding the mall the new construction yeah. and the new hotspot hangout and kind of gets into some teenage stuff a little bit sure you know t- typical teenage drama um, but overall introduction of Robin as a character as well. Robin's also great. Yeah. They, they really do a nice job of introducing new characters. Best character on the show is Steve. I think you're right. Steve's I wouldn't so agree good. with you if it was just season one alone, but oh, he's, sure. re- he's, he's a redemptive. Really 
Well, yeah. Yeah. They've done they've done a lot. The the fan base really latched on to Steve and they reacted to that and definitely have, have done the work to make Steve a lot more likable. Redeemed? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Although season four, well, not part of this. We can now you know what? Never mind. I'm gonna ignore that. Not in consideration. Not in consideration. Okay. Anyway, bottom line here, Stranger Things has a little bit of everything. It's got that teenage nostalgia feel. It's got the eighties themes. It's got the music. It's got incredible visuals. It doesn't have an editor in season four, but that's not in contention. And in general, has really, really good and interesting storylines. Uh, and I've I've rewatched this the first three seasons. Uh, I've seen them all at least twice. Some episodes, a few more, kind of sporadically, as uh, other people in my family watched it, but. That being said, I would definitely watch this again. I've only watched season four once, but, you know, probably watch that again, too. I'll watch that last season whenever it happens. Someday. When the kids are 38. Yeah. Is there only one more season? Has that been confirmed? Yeah, five will be the last one. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I mean, Supposedly. I'll watch it for sure, but. Yeah, definitely. It'll be nice to get closure. It's a good show. It is. Very enjoyable. And the fact that, it, you know, I'm willing to and kind of anticipating another season or the final season i think that that speaks volumes to the show as well it's popular for a reason only one thing i got to contend with and that's the fact that i got rid of netflix so yeah not a deal breaker but certainly complicated. they keep jacking up the price yeah anyway that was my number six yeah we'll wrap up uh we'll wrap up the first segment here and we'll talk about uh, our f- one through five when we come back from break. So stick around, folks. Howdy, howdy. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. You know, if you have show ideas or comments or hate mail, that you want to send to Josh because of a terrible opinion, you should probably email us. StupidSequence at gmail.com Make sure you indicate that it's hate mail in the subject line that just guarantees that we'll open it. And you could also tweet. Is it still called tweet? You can it's also always called, It'll always be called tweet. You can also at us Stupid sequence at stupid sequence. I don't know. No updates there. Not a huge deal. But if you're listening and you feel compelled to reach out to us in some way, you should do that. Let's move on. Yeah, let's dig in here. Uh, We're going to jump into our top fives. And since we have two duplicates in your top five already, I think we'll start with mine. Go for it. Uh, My number five is uh, 2019's Chernobyl. From creator Craig Mazin. Have not watched. Hey, you need to watch. This is this is one of the only items on my list where I will say everyone needs to watch this show. Um, more than True Detective, apparently. More than True Detective. True Detective is not for everybody. Love True Detective. That first season's incredible. It's there's definitely like I'm not gonna have my grandma watch True Detective. She's not gonna be into some of the stuff in that that show uh but you never watched chernobyl yes um 
it's uh, important, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, historical, you know, obviously this is a dramatization. It's, it's a miniseries. It's the only miniseries on the list. It's a five episode dramatization of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster and the efforts to contain it. Um, it is mostly factual. They have dramatized, you know, they've, they've stretched the details on a handful of things, but mostly it's pretty accurate to what actually happened. Um, so the, the writing here and the performances are just extremely well done. Uh, so this is, like I said, this is from creator Craig Mazin. Um, and this was a really big career pivot for him. Previously, he was pretty much known exclusively for crappy comedy sequels like Scary Movie 3 and 4 and The Hangover 2 and 3. Uh, What's wrong with The Hangover 2 and 3? Actually, there's a uh, lot I have, wrong with those. I have not watched The Hangover 3. 2 is not good. Um, no, two, I heard 3 is, is really very bad. Um, I don't know if I saw 3. So, the first uh, one was great. Anyway, go ahead. I enjoyed the first one. Uh, with Chernobyl, he managed to create something deeply compelling, informative, and extremely upsetting. So the first episode delves into the absolutely insane levels of mismanagement that led to the Chernobyl disaster happening in the first place. Um, so a little bit of backstory here on how I came to experience the show. So this aired 2019. Uh, I didn't get around to watching it until 2020. And we, my wife and I picked it up like a month into the pandemic in 2020. Uh, And we watched that first episode and she came out of it going, this is too upsetting to watch right now with all the things going on. We need to come back to the show later. (laughs) Um, And it legit very upsetting to watch just like the wild amount of mismanagement and idiocy that was going into how, how that whole thing happened. Mm -hmm. Um. We ended up coming back to it later and loved the show. Um, but it's a hard watch. Um, from that first episode, the remaining se- uh, parts of the season focus primarily on Jared Harris's Valerie Legasov. Probably pronounced that wrong. I don't remember. but um, And then Stellan Skarsgård's Boris Sherbina. These are real people who actually um, participated in the efforts to contain the disaster. Uh, Legasov was a chemist who was brought in to help contain the disaster, and Sherbino was a Soviet politician who was emplaced in charge of the containment efforts. Over the course of the season, the show manages to entertain, educate, and truly horrify. It is unbelievable how close we were to a catastrophically huge disaster that is far beyond the levels of what actually ended up happening. Uh, and it's hard to feel anything besides absolute astonishment at many of the events that actually occurred um, in the show documents. The show is so well constructed that a large portion of the final episode is effectively Jared Harris giving a PowerPoint presentation of how the physics of a nuclear reactor work. And they managed to make it some of the most in- interesting and compelling scenes in the whole show. Um, it Nice. It is bizarre how compelling they're able to make that stuff and i just like i said it's five episodes very quick to get through um but you're gonna you're gonna sit with it for a while you're gonna think about it that's that was my experience anyway came out of it going like how if things had gone slightly different way no one could live in europe anymore you know wow uh it is truly crazy how how that whole scenario played out and we are incredibly lucky that it was not much worse 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I I mean I'm familiar with the disaster, but I'm I'm not intimately familiar with it in that way, so it's interesting. I'm I'm definitely adding it to my list. This list might need some help with reordering. Sure. Especially after everything we've discussed up to this point. A lot of good TV out there from the 2010s. Well, it's not just TV and it's not just the 2010s. That's there's fair. Shows and movies and it, there's a lot to to watch. I don't know. Is there enough? There's definitely enough time to watch everything, but is it worth getting to that point? Sure. Sure. There's a lot of bad television out there. Oh, we'll hear about those. I've got dishonorable mentions. So do I. Have you heard of Sherlock? What's your number five? My number five, a show that I'm very certain you've seen. It is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Excellent show. Not on my list. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay, well. We have a one per franchise rule on the list. Mm, this doesn't count. What? What are you talking about? It doesn't count. It absolutely counts. It's the same <laughs> franchise. It doesn't count. Okay. It's not, it's not okay. the same franchise. It's a different show. Okay. Not that I'm hinting at anything. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, if if that's the case, then I'll keep this brief. Because we're going to have a further discussion later. Let me just say Breaking Bad, this eliminates the first two seasons. It does. That first season, very short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just the introduction of the show, right? The premise mm-hmm. and the establishment of how things are going to start down this path. And then the second season really skyrockets a lot of these activities. Uh, and the end of the second season kind of puts a cap on some, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything here. Some significant storylines. Yes. Let's put it that way. Uh, some, 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 some interactions new, with different nemeses. Th- this isn't really that much of a spoiler, but mild spoiler. Um, by the end of the second season, the, the baby has been born. Sure. You know, Sk- Skylar was pregnant. Kind yeah, of very, very minor, and, very minor spoiler. Yeah. But the second season's weird. It kind of is. It, it kind of is. So I, I think this actually helps it. Because um, season three is where things really take off. Right. And mm-hmm. things grow with, with, I'm trying to think of how I can explain this without spoiling too much. Basically, there's sincere development with everything. I, Season three might be one of the best seasons of a show ever. It's a very good season. Season four was also really, really, really good. Season three where they Mm. introduced Mike. Uh, Yes. Season three is where Mike's introduced. Season three also has the fly episode, a little controversial episode directed by Um, Ryan Johnson. One of my favorite directors also has the mini arc of Gale. Um, The, other chemist that was portrayed in in there i I don't want to spoil too much here yep 
Uh, you know what? I'm going to say season four is actually significantly better now that I'm thinking about it. And I mean, it's close. They're both really, really good. Yeah, three and three and four, I think are probably are a are strong peak. word. Three and four are peak breaking bad. I, I oh, think. Yeah. Um, there's some key moments that really solidify season four as a, uh, as a really, really significant turning point to the hero anti-hero villain that is Walter White. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking of the scene where he is under the floorboards looking for his money and uh, he's just laying down there and the phone is ringing in the background and he just like is freaking out because it's gone and but he's kind of laughing maniacally at the same time and it just kind of turns into almost Joker-esque laughter and Skyler is terrified but it also introduces the infamous I am the one who knocks line sure still a fantastic scene in delivery um but that being said it also includes the final season which I felt like wrapped everything up really neatly well, neatly might be a strong word. Um, but it does introduce some characters that I feel like I didn't really enjoy as much, like Todd, or more specifically his uncle, Jack. Todd also, notably, played by Jesse Plemons in season two of Fargo. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Very different character. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh see I mean season five has some extremely high rated episodes i mean like oh, yeah. 10 out Fair. of 10 type season episodes. five also really really good so I, I really do think the argument here is strong to say like eliminating seasons one and two didn't really hurt breaking yeah, bad's I, uh position i would agree in this list i would agree but, i'd say season two is the weakest season um i do like yeah. season one quite a bit but uh you know like three and four i think is are, is the best yeah it's a great show. It's a fantastic show and would have made my list. Right. Uh, were it not in the same franchise as a better show. Yeah. Yep. I'm realizing now that's. Uh... Yep. Why don't we move on? What's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, the comedy I alluded to uh, is on my top five. This is uh Barry ran from 2018 through 2023 Have uh so four seasons uh only the first two seasons are in contention here uh this also does not hurt the show because those are the better seasons of the show i think uh so uh barry is perhaps the most unusual show on the list in terms of structure and tonal shifts it is a black comedy about bill haters barry berkman who's an Iraq war veteran turned hitman. Uh, one day he's given the task of taking out a man who is attending acting classes in LA. And that experience makes Barry decide he doesn't want to be a hitman anymore. He wants to be an actor. However, it turns out that just deciding you want to leave the hitman life doesn't mean that the life is done with him. And he continues to be caught up in ridiculous and dark events in that world alongside his uh, attempts to start a career as an actor. So, since we're only discussing the first two seasons of the show, um, 
that that we're we're really talking about the best stuff on the show. The, the, I would say into season three and especially into season four, there's significant tonal shift on the show, and it starts dipping out more and more from the comedy side of it. Um, but those first two seasons just do, do an incredible job of blending and balancing the tone of these incredibly tense, murderous scenes with the hilarious squabbles and egos of an L.A. acting class. And I think that the, the true success of the show is how it's able to blend those two and actually swap the energy between them. At times, Barry's acting life is more emotionally intense and frustrating than his hitman life. And sometimes the hitman side devolves into sillier exchanges as well. But somehow they managed to make this never feel out of place. A lot of that is due to how masterful of a performer Bill Hader is on this show. I do like Bill Hader. I uh, see. I didn't like Bill Hader at all before this show. Most of what I had seen from him was like a movie here or there, or like his work on SNL. And I am a noted mm. not SNL fan, uh, and really never liked any of his SNL stuff. But he is just phenomenal on this show. I think what secured it for me initially of what I mean, what sold Bill Hader to me was in Pineapple Express when he's one of the first people to experiment with weed and it's in a military base and they're documenting his his smoking and reaction that whole scene i think is hilarious really really seen i've only seen the back half of pineapple express and i don't remember him in that it was one of the first scenes of this movie yeah so i've never actually seen that go go watch that scene when you get a chance just go just you know youtube whatever Bill Hader, pumpkin or pineapple express, pumpkin express, pineapple express. Bill Slightly Hader, different. Yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, I actually saw the back half of that movie with you. I think you guys were watching it at a thing that I got too late. Mm, that's possible. But yeah, uh, hard to. So know. other stuff I want to say here uh, on Barry. So if you were a drama kid in high school or have participated in community theater, you absolutely have to watch this show. This is another show I'm not recommending to everyone, but if you fall into that specific subset, this is more of a must-watch than just about anything else I could recommend. The scenes of the acting class contain the exact people you know in person from those experiences, and they do an incredible job of replicating what that environment feels like. Uh... Most notably for me, I think the most intense scene in the show isn't when Barry is being forced to kill someone. It's when a character is waiting for someone to come on stage for their scene and that person is missing their mark. Uh, It just is the gut wrenching feeling when you are on stage and you're realizing that the the thing that's supposed to be happening isn't happening next and you have to do something. (laughs) I, I, watched there's a specific scene in the second season that i watched and i'm like that same feeling just hit me in my stomach like oh my god they're just nailing this it it's really masterfully done so they hired actors to portray actors that are not very good at acting and therefore must be great at acting to be able to portray poorly acting actors yeah it's it's uh wow. it's fun uh special shout out here for uh henry winkler who plays the acting teacher uh and just uh one of the most self-absorbed egoistic characters i've seen uh in a thing for real piece henry of shit. winkler also in parks and recreation oh really i didn't know that yeah 
in later seasons, he is the doctor that tells them they're going to have triplets. Okay. Uh, and also, Jean Ralphio and his sister, whose name uh, evades me at the moment, Mona, Mona Lisa, I think is actually her name. Uh, it's That's his kids, and they're two of the worst people in the <laughs> entire show. And uh, uh, he, he loves his kids, but man, he hates his kids. <laughs> I, I love Henry Winkler. He's so good. He's a gem uh, for sure. And, and then other best shout out here is for, uh, Anthony Kerrigan who plays Noho Hank, who, uh, is a, a real goofball, uh, Chechen gangster on the show. And, uh, very, very funny character. Uh, uh, just very, uh, very great presence on the show. So yeah, Barry okay. number four for me, very fun show, but also very dark in a lot of ways. Um, there is a scene from late in season two that my wife and I quoted each other about once a week. Oh, makes me laugh every time. Okay. Well, we've already touched on some dark stuff, uh, as well. And I'm not about to change that tone with my number three. If, yeah, uh, let's, let's if see what I you may, got. number three, I have mind hunter. Ah, okay. That's the- an honorable mention for me. The entire series, and it's, I mean, there's only yeah, two, just the t- two Practically, seasons. just the two seasons, David Fincher. Yeah, uh, we'll get that. All right. Let, let me just, I well, I guess I can say rewatchability, check. Holy crap. Watch this like three or four times already. Uh, this show gives me chills, and... David Fincher, whatever you're doing, you need to abandon that project immediately and restart working on this show so that we have a season three, like ASAP. Because there is a ton of buildup going on here. And you just walked away. How am I supposed to know what happens next? I mean, it's based on a kind of a true story anyway, so I I already have some idea of what happens next. Uh, to be, To be fair to David Fincher... He is just one of the executive producers on the show. He's not like the showrunner or main writer or anything. So uh, it it is not his fault. (laughs) Well, either way, he needs to restart the project. I'm blaming him. But for those of you who have not watched this show, it is following two people, primarily, Holden Ford and... Bill Tench, played by, so Holden Ford's played by Jonathan Groff, uh, most notably is uh, in Hamilton, and a lot of people, um, a lot of people might remember his performance as the king in uh, in Hamilton. And more recently, he was also in uh, the M. Night Shyamalan film, Knock at the Cabin. I'm not familiar with that, doesn't matter. Holt McCallany is uh, Bill Tench. Anyway, these two are... They're playing FBI agents that are kind of on the precipice of starting what we would call the psychological unit of the FBI. Behavioral unit, right? Yeah, the behavioral unit, right? And it's... um, Instead of just the typical status quo of means motive opportunity type crime solving they're looking at things in a more in-depth psychology anthropology sociology methods to reveal the truth right and it is loosely based on a true story but of course it's dramatized for 
for the yeah, show. A- emphasis on loosely on this one. My understanding is they have uh, stretched a lot of the actual facts, but the general ideas are the same. Uh, yeah, I-, I think enough of the spirit is there. Sure, definitely. Of, of what happened, right? And the two characters are name changes, but they are the same people as they're meant to be the same people as the two guys who actually did this. Um, but during the, the course of it, right. In order to figure out some of these unsolved murders or more crazy type murders, right. Serial killers, spree killers. Uh, they are spending time interviewing infamous serial killers right Mm -hmm. many of the many real ones too i mean it's all real ones right it's ed kemper the co-ed killer uh who played by cameron Britton, does a fantastic job oh yeah phenomenal portrayal absolutely phenomenal it's eerie how similar this dude looks to the actual guy just unsettling even uh, beyond that, right, it's got Richard Speck, not really a serial killer, but he's a, a what they call like a horrific spree killer. Uh, Dennis Rader, the Wichita, Kansas BTK killer, um, which is kind of largely just hinted at up to this point. We keep seeing stuff happening in Wichita, and, and it keeps flashing to scenes there where he works for a security show and like he or a security uh, a security company and we see flashes of him a, not attempting but kind of planning plotting out what he might do yeah they're clearly showing us this guy on the trajectory towards what he's someday going to do right but we haven't we haven't gotten there yet yeah which is part of the reason why season three needs to happen because we need to we need to get there uh, we also touch on, like, Jerome Brudos, who was a confirmed necrophile with a shoe fetish. And, uh, man, he was also a really big dude. Uh, Monty Rissell, Ted Bundy, David Berkowitz. And a, and a large portion of Season 2 focuses on the Atlanta killings of, right. you know, almost two dozen black kids. It's and messed that, up. It, that's real horrifying. And yeah, that's uh, very, Wayne Williams is the primary suspect there, but never convicted for the murders of any of the children um, up to this point. It's uh, and there's there's a lot of portions of this show where you watch it and you go, what what happened here? Like, why didn't this work out the way it should have? And you can do some of that research now to make those connections. And it it's. It's all very dark, but inquiring minds want to know, and it it's interesting. But the way that they portray this, fantastic. They find people who can portray each of these serial killers or really evil people, and it's I don't I don't know how they manage to deliver on this over and over again. But the overall tone of the show is very very dark, and. Uh, you know, even with the personal lives and problems of of these characters, beyond the serial killer stuff going on, there's there's a lot of depth there, and I really appreciate what they're building, how they're going about telling the story, 
even some of the downfalls of the characters and as they push the 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 lines within their own boundaries um at, at the FBI for what they're capable of doing but yeah it's a it's a very compelling show and you know it's it's dark like i said but it's it's interesting and i will definitely watch this again and i cannot wait for season 3 which has to my knowledge up to this point not been announced yeah, it looks like I'm seeing here in February 2023, Fincher confirmed that the series was officially over. What? Yeah, so we're not getting any more. <sighs> top 10 unfinished series. Yeah, we could do a top 10 on that. Because this show. Man. I don't know That's if this really... would be my number one or not. I have to think about it. It'd be up there. It'd be top It's on my list for sure, and it makes me sad to even think about it. I, ah, God, I just, it's such a good show, and it's so well acted. Special shout out here to uh, Anna Torv, who is one of the main characters in the show. uh, Oh, yeah. Car, and uh, more recently, previously saw her on Fringe. Absolutely love her from that. More recently was on the uh, Last of Us TV show that aired this year. And man, she's just always great. Always fantastic. Love Anna Torv. Okay. Maybe someday she'll get to actually play an Australian in a major thing. Because she's from Australia. Uh, no. No, she won't. Maybe she will. I don't know. Could happen eventually. What's your number three? Yeah, we got my one, two, three left and just your number one due to some duplicates. So I guess I'll do my number three. Do three we'll and see where two, we go from go there. Ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see where we go from here. Uh, speaking of things that there's multiples in a franchise of, my number three is Better Call Saul, which aired from 2015 through 2022. It may surprise you to know that it's also my number one. This is definitely in the same franchise as Breaking Bad. No, <laughs> it is extremely in the same franchise. What is it? It yes all indisputably okay what are you even talking about yeah that was uh that was an oversight on my part yeah so since this since this is just uh the 2010s we're cutting out seasons five and six um last we talked about breaking bad you had not watched season six has that been remedied yet or no still have not watched season six i don't know if it's on netflix but i canceled my netflix so i i'm working i got some stuff in the works i think there's a good possibility that i will be able to watch it before the year is out uh worth worth noting here um you know we're cutting out seasons five and six this is an interesting one where it's a blend of hurts and helps the show because i definitely think season six is the weakest overall season it's still great but the weakest season but season five is also some of the best stuff in the show so it's a little little column a little column b there you know yeah, season um, five definitely ramps up a few of the things. Absolutely. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, we 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 talked obviously a bit about this on the show way back in our best TV female characters episode coming up again here. Um, but if you're somehow not familiar, this uh, show is a spinoff of Breaking Bad. 
and features Bob Odenkirk as Jimmy McGill, who later goes on to change his name to Saul Goodman, as we know him on Breaking Bad. Um, Better Call Saul catalogs Jimmy's path from being a former con artist trying to have a legit career as a lawyer to being the sleazy shady lawyer we see on Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, The show also focuses on the history of one Mike Ehrmantraut, who we see on Breaking Bad as a major lieutenant to Gustavo Fring. Uh, And... As we mentioned in that previous episode and awarded our number one best TV female character to uh, Kim Wexler uh, yeah, is played Sehorn. by Rhea Suhorn, and she is just phenomenal in the show. Oh, my God. This is a truly stellar main cast here. Um, so Cam is introduced to us as a good friend to Jimmy and another junior lawyer um, working at his brother's law firm. So, uh, the show also features Jimmy's brother, Chuck, who's an extremely well-respected lawyer who in recent times has started to believe he is allergic to electricity and as a result has cut off all electricity to his home. And so Jimmy has to help take care of him because he cannot care for himself. Uh, and then the last character I want to mention is Nacho Varga, who is played by the excellent Michael Mando. Uh, he's a friend to Tuco Salamanca, who's a villain in Breaking Bad, and he's kind of better call Saul's window into yeah. what's going on with the Salamanca gang. Uh, I, I would also add uh, Hector Salamanca, because yeah. we actually get to see him fully functioning, well, up to a certain point in Better Call Saul as the terrible person that he was uh, yeah, before he was Bad. confined to a wheelchair. Yeah, we see him in that wheelchair and just only capable of ringing a bell on the wheelchair to communicate. Um, but we see him prior to um, being in that state in Better Call Saul. And he turns out he's a real dirtbag. He's a real piece of shit. Who could have guessed? But we get to see the the bridge between yeah. that section into his descent, how he got in the wheelchair, and then where the bell came from. Sure. And and the, and that's that's true of a lot of different storylines on here. They just kind of feed into little details of things that show up in Breaking Bad. I, I don't know if they did that on purpose, uh, like in the sense of when they were making Breaking Bad, at what point did they realize they were going to make this other show? But also, did they realize they were going to try to tie it in in the same way? I, it Some of yeah. it feels like it's just too good to be a coincidence. My understanding from um, what I've read about both of these shows is Vince Gilligan is very much a guy who, if he thinks of something better than what he originally planned, he'll just throw out the previous plan out the window and just do it. Like, uh, you know, Saul Goodman was not intended to be a long-term character on the show. He was like a one or two episode character originally. Same with Mike Ehrmantraut. And then eventually that that leads to... Mike Ehrmantraut was a filler character. Yeah. Eventually that leads to now we have a spinoff focused on these two characters and that's very funny. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this show absolutely captivating from episode one and totally justifies its existence as a spinoff and, you know, even, even going so far as to surpass the original show, in my opinion, it, it's totally different from breaking bad. It's a little less focused on trying to be as intense as possible and more content to let the stakes be significantly lower. And in my opinion, that's to the show's benefit. It enables episodes to focus more on character development and really well acted scenes versus being as, um, as much of a slave to driving the plot forward as breaking bad can be at times. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of character development and, and just really well acted scenes that I feel like the dialogue is essential to this and it is peak 
slow burn. It takes oh, the, yeah. some of the best and most interesting slow burn parts of Breaking Bad and just makes it its own thing. And I, I love that. A lot of people don't like that slow burn, but I think a lot more do. And yeah, you look at the relationship here. I think especially you look at the relationship and how it develops over the course of the show between Jimmy and Chuck. Um, or Chuck Notable. Jimmy and Kim. Or sure, Jim, sure. Or, you know, Jimmy and uh, Howard Hamlin, right? It's, yep. <sighs> yeah. The, I, I, for me, I think in these earlier seasons especially, you know, over the course of the show, I think if you look at the whole show... I think that that kind of most central relationship is the is the Jimmy and Kim relationship. But yes. in the earlier seasons, to me, the most compelling thing is that relationship between Jimmy and Chuck and sure. how toxic that's revealed to be early on and um, just the way that that progresses in just some truly infuriating scenes. Um, this, the, the, I have, uh, there are a few characters few times that I have hated a character more than specific scenes in, uh, I want to say, especially around like season three of Better Call Saul, where I'm just like, I hate this person so much. They are such a piece of shit. You're referring to Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, I could, I can definitely see that. But it's, he's, he's the product of his environment. And we do see Fair. that as well, right? The a little bit of the growing up scenes, the backstory, you know, where, what perspective he's bringing to the table and kind of why he behaves in the way he does. But you want to talk condescending and entitled though. Yep. He exemplifies that. If, if, if you get the, the, you get the picture of like the condescending boomer stereotypic, stereotypically, this yep. guy is the absolute peak of that. I, I think for me, why this ranked so highly, because this show has just been incredible. Um, it, it's the, I think this is what, this is what I think of when I think of drama in the 2010s it could be used as an example set of like a, a a study watch this show you'll understand what dramas could be in the 2010s yeah it, and, it, and it's all the more in, incredible because i mean this show was breaking bad's kind of side project and with the massive resounding success of Breaking Bad being one of the highest rated shows and, you know, top five shows of all time, it's it's kind of incredible that they made this work from a, a different angle, from that, that slow burn perspective, but they it didn't fit the Breaking Bad mold like you were saying, and people were so receptive to it and, and they adapted and it is better. It's better than breaking bad as incredible as breaking bad was. This show is better. So yeah, kudos to I, them. I, I, I don't know how they pulled it off, but they did. I'm not complaining. I'm only yeah. complaining about the fact that I haven't seen season six yet. 
because I need to wrap up this show. You'll get there. And to be clear, I think season six is good. I just don't think it quite lives up to the standard of the rest of the show. No, but we've come so far from slipping Jimmy. Slipping Jimmy. And his old habits. And seeing some of the backstories and some of the episodes on that too his past and dealings with some of the the characters of of his previous life but Bob then the, Kirk's so good he is and I, he, I, he I came to Bob acting Kirk later so although i did see something recently that he was in and i thought what the heck why is bob odenkirk in this it is of course well before he became uh jimmy mcgill so I mean, you got early Bob Odenkirk is like you're like Mr. Show with David Cross and that kind of stuff. Uh, is that the British comedy? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's a sketch comedy show. Yeah, yeah, okay. I maybe that is the uh, the one that I'm thinking of then, because I I think I saw something recently where he was on that. Was he a doctor or something? It's a, like it's in... a sketch show, so it's it's they're just okay, doing different well, bits. Then yes, that may may have been um one of the the things that i saw him on i don't remember exactly but anyway number three for me number one for you better call saul just your two and one left and uh yeah this is uh i I do know what one of them is i am 99 percent certain of that the other one i'm not 100 percent. yeah i don't think we've had a situation where we've just had to motor through uh just just enough duplicates take your time out talk me through it two and one start with two all right uh number two is the leftovers from this is the uh, one that i expected okay uh 2014 through 2017 so we're covering all three seasons here this is created by damon lindelof showing up again from from watchmen although he did watchmen after this uh and tom parada parada i'm not sure how you say that name so this is yet another show that we discussed on the best t- female TV characters episode of our show. Uh, this was very close to being my number one. Uh, so if you're not familiar, uh, The Leftovers takes place three years after an event people refer to as the Sudden Departure, where 2% of the world's population disappeared in an instant. No trace left of them at all. The 2% isn't enough that every person in the world would be affected, but enough that most people would know someone who lost someone. It's really important to note, this is not a puzzle box show. The show is not especially concerned with explaining why the departure happened, and that's very much a good thing. It instead decides to be a study in grief. What would an event like this do to society? How would that affect people that lost someone, and how would it affect people who didn't? We see our lead character, uh, Justin Thoreau's police chief, Kevin Garvey, whose family has been torn apart by the event, ultimately. His wife completely abandoned him and their teenage daughter to join a cult focusing on the departure. We see Carrie Coon's character, Nora Durst, a mother who lost her entire family, husband, and multiple children to the departure, and how that grief has completely consumed her. We see Nora's uh, brother, Matt Jameson, who's played by Christopher Eccleston, uh, who's a pastor who's become obsessed with proving that the departure was not the Christian rapture by outing the sins of the departed and uh, really angering people in the process. Uh, this show is deeply weird, frequently challenging, and features just some of the best performances I've ever seen on TV. 
And I haven't even touched on the stuff that seasons two and three get into, but they expand on the really phenomenal first season and frequently surpass it. This is a show that I just think gets better as it goes along, really. Um, she don't get a, a whole lot, just kind of that smooth gradient of each season better than the last one. It's ultimately not my favorite show on my list, but it's the one I can most easily uh, I, can, I can most easily recommend it to people over what my number one is. Um, and uh, also want to shout out, uh, we have another appearance from Regina King here. Uh, I mentioned her way back on the Watchmen entry. Um, she's really phenomenal here in season two, and she's every bit as good as here as she is in Watchmen. So, okay. Uh, truly tremendous show. Uh, just, you know, three, three seasons total. I think they're like 10 or 12 episode seasons. So, you know, not a massive time commitment, but it's not like a Brooklyn nine, nine or something where it's like, watch 160 episodes of the show. Yeah, but that show is so easy to watch, 160 sure, episodes of. Every episode's like 20 to 22 minutes, and you can yeah, this, fly through them pretty quickly. This show is not that. You're going to watch the episodes of this show and be like, I got to think about this for a while. There's stuff happening here. It does make me a little bit sad that I haven't seen this, and I know we have discussed it a few times at this point, and even looking through the lists of top shows i mean this was frequently on the top 10 of various other lists as well and i keep thinking man i really need to watch this show yeah this show is very very well critically received and count me among the list because man i didn't i didn't watch it at all till i think last year my wife and i watched through the whole thing like Um, i said you're gonna have to help me sort through this because now we got uh, just from today right we got chernobyl true detective watchmen uh the leftovers Barry, like i where do i start i don't know you start with chernobyl because it's really short probably that's just an easy yeah get through this and top 10 shows that scott probably should watch that was my bonus list well it shows that i should probably watch but you know this is anyway all right what's your guess for my number one uh, yeah. uh, and you're saying it's one that I have not seen. You have not seen it. No. Well, in that case, uh, I'm going to go. Hmm. I'm going to go with. Here comes honey boo boo. Uh, no, incorrect. It's on my dishonorable uh, mentions list. <laughs> oh no, I haven't watched it. Uh, we are talking about Twin Peaks: oh. The Return. Ah, yeah, twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. the one season. Yep. Okay, let uh, me add that to my list. Hold on. Created by David Lynch and Mark Frost, who are the creators on original Twin Peaks as well. If you want to consider Twin Peaks: The Return as season three of the original show, that also works. Does not disqualify from the list based on our. Uh, based on our setup here but i i am considering it a separate show personally okay so it's harder for me to recommend this show to everyone because to really get everything that's going on here you you do need to watch both seasons of the original show and the film firewalk with me um which is that's a big commitment um that being said it is unabashedly my favorite tv to come out in the 2010s uh 
it's tough to dig into too much of the plot here without wildly careening into spoiler territory, and I absolutely refuse to spoil the show, because it's too good. Uh, I'll say that the original show ends on a huge cliffhanger, uh, with one character famously telling Kyle MacLachlan's special agent Dale Cooper, I'll see you again in 25 years. Uh, 25 years and 10 months later, in the real world, this show airs, picking up 25 years after that cliffhanger left off. There's 18 episodes of this show, and boy, they are absolutely a roller coaster. Uh, the, the, the new show blends a mixture of storylines involving characters from the original show, along with a number of new characters played by Naomi Watts, Jim Belushi, Robert Nepper, Laura Dern, and loads more. It's really, truly massive cast on this show. Oh, wow. Uh, some really wild cameos in there as well, including perha- perhaps one of the most bizarre cameos I've ever seen from Michael Sarah. Uh, who is playing the son of some characters from the uh, from the original show? Mm, uh, there's an idea for an episode: top ten weird cameos or out of place cameos. I uh, I do have a favorite cameo ever. It's not it's not this one, but this one's pretty good. I could think uh, of a few. But yeah, to to me, the show is absolute peak. David Lynch. He's blending actors and elements from a number of his works, including and beyond the original Twin Peaks, while staying true to the spirit of the original show. He really gets extremely bizarre and creative in a number of episodes, most notably in episode nine titled Got a Light. Uh, it's one of the most important things worth mentioning about this show is the masterclass work of delayed gratification that's going on here. So Lynch knows you want a quick resolution to the 25-year-old cliffhanger before moving on with the story, and he's only partially willing to give it to you quickly. He's going to give you pieces of what you want, but he's going to hold back some key resolution elements really for almost the entire season, which just makes the moments that when, when you do finally get what you want, when you finally get to see one of the big things that you've been waiting for, it just makes it that much more powerful. Um, there, there's a specific moment later in the show. I won't get too specific here, but just a thing happens and I just had the absolute biggest smile on my face of, I'm so happy that we have finally gotten here and it just very satisfying, huh? Just very, very satisfying. But yeah, I truly love the experience watching this. And one of the, one of the more remarkable things here. Uh, is that Lynch managed to get almost the entire cast of the original show and movie back, including a number of actors who died shortly after participating in the new season. So, there's quite the list here. There's Harry Dean Stanton, who passed shortly after the series finished airing in 2017. Uh, Miguel Ferrer and Warren Frost passed a few months before it started airing in early 2017. Uh... David Bowie sort of reprises his character from the movie. Um, bet you didn't know David Bowie was in that movie. Uh, I didn't, but he was actually one of the cameos that I was thinking of from The Prestige. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's sort of... It's complicated. I can't really get into it too much without significant spoilers, but he did, he did participate um, before he passed in 2016. And then, most affectingly, um, Catherine E. Coulson, who plays the log lady... Um, kind of one of the more well-known characters from this thing as being extremely weird. Um, she filmed her scenes despite being extremely ill from cancer and passed four days after filming her final scene. Holy crap. 
And when you watch the scenes with her, especially the last one, you can just like feel the weight of that on uh, happening on the screen. It oh, is wow. just really remarkable. She's fantastic. And just the, the way that they wrote those scenes, um, it's very clearly written with the knowledge that she is dying. Uh, okay. And it hits very hard. Uh, and then, uh, final shout out I want to give here is to Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, it is truly fantastic to see him back as Dale Cooper is one of my absolute all time favorite TV characters. Um, but not only that, we see him play four other distinct characters for five total characters in (laughs) over the course of the season. So he's really, he's really working double time here. Um, and just does an excellent job of that. He's truly a tremendous actor. So remind me, before I would watch Twin Peaks The Return, you said I needed to watch the two seasons of Twin Peaks from years ago, but also a movie? Yep. Um, so season one of Twin Peaks is eight episodes long, so you can really burn through that quick. It's like 40-minute yep. episodes, you know? Um, that and and that season I think is is generally very excellent. The tough part, the part where it gets very hard to recommend to people is um season two of Twin Peaks is like a full 20, 22 episode season. And a lot of it is not good. Um David Lynch left the show for a while because of butting heads with we, we talked about that in a previous episode. But yep. um a lot of that season is uh mediocre to bad. Um, with one particular storyline just being very bad and don't like it at all. Um, but, uh, but he came back to direct the finale and kind of the episodes leading up to the finale and the finale itself are really, really good. Um, and then you have the movie, um, which is titled fire walk with me. It is a prequel to the original show and, um, the, you know, the central mystery of the show, uh, you know, is very well known at this point. It's not a spoiler to say, um, is who killed Laura Palmer, right? The, the opening scene of the show is her, uh, character finding her body. The movie is about the events that lead to her death and is genuinely one of the most disturbing things I've ever watched in my life. Um, Okay. I wouldn't say it's a fun experience watching that, and it's hard for me to just generally recommend to people. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying it's is well it a, done. It's truly disturbing. It is it a horror movie then? Like specifically horror, not I drama? would say how do you classify the, it? I wouldn't classify it as a horror movie, but it is truly horrifying. Um the can, awful things that happen in it. Can you equate it to anything else i mean is it like not really the level of mind hunter uh well like mind hunter is one thing because mind hunter is taking these horrible events and it's just like looking at them through a very clinical lens right um sure it's looking at them through this psychology lens and you know you're getting exposed to um you know the idea of the awful things that have happened but you're not there experiencing it right um more like saw uh, so Saw it's like, is... It's like psychological horror, right? Saw is like, you know, more of your torture porn kind of a thing. And mm, okay. it's just about to, like, wallow in, look at this violence. Twin Peaks, uh, or Firewalk With Me is not that. Um, but let's say if you have a hard time with sexual violence, maybe don't watch Firewalk With Me. Mm. Okay. Trigger warning. Understood. Yeah. Um, there's a lot... 
lot going on in that movie. Um, it's very well made. Did not review well at the time because um, it's not going to mean anything to you if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, really. And uh, I watched Mulholland Drive. It is. Uh, so fun fact, um, Mulholland Drive actually um, started out as a pilot for a new season of Twin Peaks back in, I think, like 2001. Um, and then they ended up going in a different direction with it and turning it into a completely separate thing. No, it's uh, you know, if you like David Lynch at all, this is in in my book the best thing he's ever done. Better than Eraserhead? I haven't actually watched Eraserhead, so maybe my opinion would vary there if I watch that. But it's hard hard for me to envision liking it more than I like this season of TV. And this is what I was talking about earlier when when you were saying, um, uh. You know what? You really want to watch some of this stuff again? When I was looking through summaries of the episodes for these notes, I was like, I have absolutely got to watch this show again. Oh my! I've only watched it through the one time um, when it was new and airing. But gotcha. Uh, so you I you kind of did again. what I did, which was uh, I looked through episode lists to determine air dates of several episodes to ensure that I was looking at the 2010s specifically. Yeah, it depends on the show. I didn't do that for all of them. And like I didn't for Twin Peaks, I didn't do that because it all just aired in 2017, right? Right. I was more doing it just to refresh myself on what happens where, what are the pieces of this that I really loved? Yep. Yep, that's what I did too. But that rounds right, out well, both our top yeah. tens. That's uh, that's our whole top ten list here. So we're going to take break number two and we're going to come back and talk about Honorable mentions dishonorable mentions and uh, argue about what belongs in the official top 10 so stick around folks welcome back everyone if you made it this far then you're probably enjoying yourself at least a little in that case, an honest rating or review or simply referring a friend would go a very long way to help get the word out. But hey, thank you for listening. We're going to move on to the argument phase. Uh, but I guess just prior to that, we are going to discuss some honorable mentions as well as dishonorable mentions. And since, uh, Josh, you did two and one kind of back to back. Why don't I go through my my mentions, if you Lay will. Lay it on me. You will hear some uh, repeats here, but uh, honorable mentions. We have Cobra Kai, first two seasons, and that was the successor to The Karate Kid. I just, it was entertaining. I really enjoyed it. Um, not Not amazing TV or anything, but kind of just fun. Uh, Ozark, you mentioned that one, the first two seasons. Wow. This, this one feels like it's almost trying too hard to be like Breaking Bad in some ways, but it is just so well acted and storylines are incredible and just a lot going on. I love that show. Suits, guilty pleasure show for sure, because the entirety of this show happens in the 2010s and it's not like amazing TV. It's every episode is basically the same, but I really like it. It's entertaining at least. And some of the characters are actually likable. 
until, you know, Meghan Markle and all that crap. Um, and then we have Supernatural, which goes up through, uh, or it starts half of, like, season five. So, unfortunately, it cuts off the first, like, four seasons, um, which are some of the best seasons of that show completely. Some would argue some of the only good seasons of that show. Some might argue... Uh, and season five wraps up the original story arc. Yeah, season five is um, good. Next, we have The Mentalist. Definitely a top contender. Was on my original top ten list. Got pushed out. Um, it excludes season one and about ten episodes of season two. Um, about halfway through season six, they completely finish the entire original story arc of Red John. But then they continue beyond that anyway, and the show just degrades rapidly. And then it goes on for one more season after that. Not great. But I really like that show and like the character. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, great show, one through six. Uh, Key and Peele, love that show. Really, really funny sketch comedy. Quote it all the time. Um, but I haven't watched all of it, right? It's You catch all the, the highlights, the, the key parts that you're like, oh, I really like the college east west bowl or the substitute teacher or you know any of those ones and people still say jay quellen or a.a ron like all the time great show uh next we have the office also tried to make this work in my top 10 couldn't really make it happen because it really is just mid-season six until the end that yeah. would be included um yeah, that's, which that doesn't mid-season that six is when cut. they're being sold to saber and uh, unfortunately though it does narrowly avoid the worst episode which is scott's tots um <laughs> but uh you know holly comes back michael leaves it's got the will ferrell stuff the robert california stuff uh i do like robert california well yeah that's some really good stuff but dwight gets the, um dwight gets to be manager but then there's the gun incident they have to find a new manager um philly jim and then the finale i mean there's there's some really, really fun episodes in there. There's also some really just like, eh, yeah. not great, not peak office episodes. Most of those Definitely. happened before mid season six, for sure. Hmm. Uh, next like season three to five is like peak office. Yeah. Uh, Drunk history. Just really entertaining. Um, Archer which excludes the very first episode, which aired... Oh, really? <laughs> the end of 2009, like right at the end. And then it includes um, through seasons... Uh, what is it? Through seasons... Oh, what is my note here? It says 10 of... Oh, yeah, sorry. It excludes... Archer, which excludes the first episode because it aired at the very end of 2009 and it goes through season 10 which i didn't even know there were that many seasons but that's not even the final season there are 14 seasons of archer yeah, that now. show's gone on long what long the heck i've watched less than half of that show at this point yeah for sure and i think i'm okay with that uh great british bake-off oh wow this is a fun family show i really like it it's very entertaining uh the good place I watched the first few seasons of that, really enjoyed it, but then I felt like it went downhill. Uh, Legend of Korra, all of that happened in the 2010s, and it's a really, really good show. Uh, tried to make it in my top 10. It was close. Yeah. 
didn't seasons quite make one it. and three are incredible. Uh, Elementary, which is the other Sherlock Holmes show with uh, Lucy Liu as Watson, and I like it. It's entertaining, but again, not not the best. Bob's Burgers, some really really funny episodes. I don't think this hurts or helps it. I think it's a very consistent show as well, similar to Brooklyn Brooklyn Nine Nine, but um, didn't quite make the top ten. Big Bang Theory, another guilty pleasure show. Not amazing, but still enjoyable, still relatable, still nerd humor. I like it. And Doctor Who, unfortunately, it completely excludes the ninth and 10th Doctors, but it's about partway through the 11th Doctor story arcs, and I, I really like Matt Smith as well. So there are some really strong episodes that are in consideration, um, including some... Some episodes that I'm not going to talk too much about because I think they might come up on our next episode, but we'll get to that. Interesting. Um, dishonorable mentions, because that's the rest of my honorable mentions, I believe. Uh, dishonorable mentions, I have Jersey Shore. I have been forced to watch way too many episodes of that um, by ex-girlfriends, and it is not a good show. There's yeah. no redeeming qualities about any of those people or any of the things that happen in that show, and I hate it. Uh, Jim Tam Laundry, how about Kill Me? Yeah. Uh, here comes Honey Boo Boo. Same problem. No redeeming qualities. Uh, also forced to watch it by an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Same one. Um, not a big uh, reality TV guy, huh? Not for garbage TV. I don't want to <laughs> watch 90 Day Fiance or... Any of those other garbage shows. Yeah. Um, I, it, kind of keeping on the same trend here, more garbage TV that I was forced to watch by ex-girlfriends. True Blood. Because the first two seasons were great, but those aren't included because those are pre-2010. Um, three, four were just okay. And, but then it really goes down. It just just like, you forced me to watch the Twilight movies. This just feels like I'm watching adult Twilight. And at a certain point, you got to say no. And then finally, I have The Walking Dead, which I really, really liked the earlier seasons, which all happened pre-2010. And then I just, it just fell off hard. And it's still that going seasons, very for good. some some reason. It's well, still going. I think the going. original show is done at this point. Yes, but the like original is done. But there's, there's spinoffs, there's sequels there's whatever like now they just took one of the characters and dropped him in france and they're like Fair hey he's up. in paris now and you're like why what how did he get here and he's like well it's been a long journey really that's that's your explanation stupid just stupid so dishonorable mention for how much downhill that show went but anyway what do you got all right, um, I'm going to try to motor through here because I have way too many. Um, <clears throat> we talked about Breaking Bad and Community on your list already. Uh, I have both Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, it truly pains me to not have included what we do in the shadows on my top 10 list, but that only includes the first season of the show, which started in 2019. And while I do like that first season, it's definitely the show hadn't quite hit its stride yet, so I uh, didn't end up making it. Uh, a lot of the crown takes place or not takes place, but aired in the previous decade. Um, and I like that show quite a bit. Uh, some of the boys, um, starts. Oh uh, yeah. I didn't even think starts about that, that early. Show. I think maybe just the first season is maybe 2019. Um, I thought the first season was great. Yeah, it's good. 
good premise. I don't, I don't think it's a great show, but it's it's good. It's fun. It's um, uh, Disenchantment, another show that, again, not great, but I enjoy it. Uh, Justified is a show I haven't watched all of, but I have enjoyed what I've watched in the first few seasons or so. Um, one show that uh, tragically hard to go back to because I truly loved it at the time, but um, the creator has turned out to be a dirtbag is Louie. Uh, Louis C.K. Kind of a kind of a piece of shit. Um, I thought he have... redeemed himself in some manner. No, he kind of doubled down on on the sh- you know the stuff he did was not that bad on the scale of like a Bill Cosby, let's say. But it's not good, and he was kind of shitty about it, and and did non apologies and stuff. So ah, um, okay, well, yeah, not, my not apologies. Great for, I, well, I'm C.K. not. I'm not up to date on celebrity. Uh, you know, wrongdoings and apologies. Well, I guess you could say. He, he was previously like one of the only stand-up comics I actually enjoyed. Um, so kind of a bummer to have that all that stuff mm. happen, but what can you do? Yeah. Okay. We can keep going. Um the animated show, The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, is one of my favorite um Marvel cartoons that's happened. That show's quite good. Like two seasons of that. Um Wilfred was pretty fun for the first couple of seasons at least. I don't think I watched any past that. Wilfred, remind me, is that the dog? Yeah, that's uh, Elijah Wood and yeah. Allison okay. Mack, who was later revealed to be part of a sex cult in real life. That was, oh. that was a thing. Um, okay. She's in prison. Um, uh, Big Bang Theory, you know, like we talked about before, kind of a guilty pleasure show, but, you know, it's great. No, but it's fun. Um, My, uh, Marvel's Entertainment. A- yep. Uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., another show I didn't watch super far in, but uh, enjoyed the first few seasons of... Uh, Shout out to Kyle McLaughlin again in season two. It starts really slow, but then they do the Hydra reveal from because Captain America Winter Soldier came out while that show was airing. And Whoa, then spoilers. That, it, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, wow, the show was sitting on some stuff and now they're doing it. And that was very cool. Um, Star Trek Discovery um, had those first two seasons, I think, are pretty good. Uh, Mindhunter's on here. Cora's on here. Uh, Gravity Falls is a show I like quite a bit. Uh, the Expanse is one it. that I've uh, been watching right now with my wife. Where we just started the last season of that. Um, but in the first few, first three seasons, I think, aired in the 2010s, and those are all truly excellent. Uh, Downton Abbey, a show that aired entirely in the 2010s, and I really liked. Uh, Mandalorian is another show that got started in 2019. That first season's great. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't even think about that. Uh, Mad Men, another one I didn't watch all the way through, but liked what I watched. Uh, Sons of Anarchy, uh, excellent show, front to back. Uh, we got the good ones of the Netflix Marvel shows, which I would say are the first season of Daredevil, the first season of Jessica Jones, kind of the second season, the second season's all right, and then the first season of Luke Cage. Uh, Stranger Things, we mentioned on your list. Uh, the Castlevania anime is uh, truly excellent. And then uh, Archer. There are uh, a significant number of good good to great TV shows. Yeah, definitely. In this era. I, it's been referred to as the golden age of TV. Yep. And I don't know if that's 100% true, but based on our discussion here in this list, it certainly feels like it was pretty darn incredible. I think it started maybe even late aughts because of Breaking Bad. But anyway, good stuff. Uh, 
we have uh, for dishonorable mentions. The very first thing I looked up was did Heroes air in the 2010s at all? And uh, the back <laughs> half of the last season aired in 2010, uh, early 2010, and that back half of that season is truly wretched. So that's that I put on here. Um, other things that are bad, we talked about Walking Dead, uh, Sherlock sucks shit. Um, Black Mirror is a terrible show, mostly. Um, I will say, special shout out to the Christmas special that they did that has John Hamm in it. That episode is genuinely great. Most of the rest of that show is trash. Um, Once Upon a Time is a show I was hoping that would be good and turned out to be very bad. I made it like 11 episodes in before bailing on that one. Uh, what, remind um, me what that's about. <clears throat> that's like the the fairy tales one and it had a bunch of the producers from Lost on it and I liked Lost and a bunch of the, a bunch of actors on it that I liked. Robert Carlyle, absolutely fantastic actor. He's the one who played Rumpelstiltskin on that show. That show's just bad. It's like the Grim um, Tales type kind kind of yeah okay Little, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's it's an abc show so it gets the disney branding stuff on it eventually and it's it's not great yeah. okay. um revolution was a terrible show um what if all energy disappeared from the world I, that, that was their that was that their a, pitch for that how okay what they actually mean is what if all electricity disappeared from the world but their pitch was what if all energy disappeared and like i don't you don't understand what that means actually yeah um okay uh v somebody hasn't studied thermodynamics they're not familiar with the laws of energy the v reboot is very bad um the newsroom is is a terrible terrible show aaron sorkin sucks um don't know what that is uh it's a jeff daniels show um okay uh the uh doctor who is on my dishonorable mentions because while there was one season of matt smith in there at the beginning of the decade that was all right after that it rapidly descended into absolute garbage that made me uh totally killed my interest in ever watching the show again um not a fan of the 12th doctor uh well the end of the matt smith stuff is extremely bad and the early um peter capaldi stuff was uh, didn't get better so nothing you know not a, not matt smith's fault not um not peter capaldi's fault uh steven moffat is an absolute dog shit showrunner um as you can see Wait, from those seasons of doctor who and from sherlock he did no. after the peter capaldi stuff i thought he departed before that no i want to say the peter capaldi stuff is his last stuff on the show and then mm. uh then it's a different mm. showrunner for jody whittaker jody whittaker yeah um the marvel uh the the one truly bad um marvel netflix show was the defenders that show is terrible um hey westworld is terrible i know people like that show but it sucks ass actually um another (laughs) show that people generally like but uh i found truly boring was hannibal which is was a bummer for me i was going into that show expecting to really like it i love mads mickelson and just i thought it was incredibly dull uh Words cannot express how much I hate Rick and Morty. Mm. Um, we've talked before about how much I hate uh, or how, how much they screwed up the Shannara Chronicles show in our worst TV creative decisions um, episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Haunting House is another one that people really like, but I can't stand how Mike Flanagan writes. He, if you go back and watch any of his shows, he is obsessed with having characters do monologues. It is hard to ignore. Um, and then the Jordan Peele produced Twilight Zone is a uh absolute 
true garbage show. It, the first episode's pretty good. They do a remake of the William Shatner. Um, there's a creature on the wing of the plane episode uh, from the classic Twilight Zone, but it's got Adam Scott as the main character, and that you know I like Adam Scott. The episode was all right, and every episode from there gets worse and worse, and it becomes unwatchable. Mm. But yeah, that's the uh, dishonorable mentions for me. I'm wondering when Squid Game was. Was that 2020? I think Squid Game. Yeah, that's the pandemic show for sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That show's fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. That's fine. All right. Well, for our unified list here, I've moved over uh, loosely our top sixes. Um, with some okay. deduplication here. So, from my list, that means Twin Peaks, uh, Leftovers, Better Call Saul, Barry, Chernobyl. From your list... I think you know, we have to exclude Breaking Bad from mine. You, you want to you cut Breaking Bad because it, you, you... Like, hey, here's the thing. You put both on there on your own list. If you hadn't put Better Call Saul on there, I think, then... And you were saying, hey, Breaking Bad is the better show. Then, you know, we've had... You know, if if we feature it in separate lists we each argue for a different one that can make the final list but but since you since you have it on just in your own list even losing to better call Saul, i think yeah. i'm inclined to agree yeah no eliminate it um i i think with that being said though um your number six was fargo which was already on my list and my mm-hmm. number six was stranger things which already is on here because of other duplicates yeah so i guess that pulls up uh seven yeah, sevens which is Brooklyn Nine-Nine for you and a series of unfortunate events for me. Which, interestingly, that show does not have a creator credited to it at all. Really? Yeah. Lemony Snicket's not looking. the... I would assume no, it's Lemony Snicket. They, they, do not, they do not credit a creator on the Wikipedia page. Interesting. There's plenty of executive producers, but no creator credit, which is how we're sorting these. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, so we have to cut one, then. Um, and I like, I have seen all of your shows except for series of unfortunate events. I know Mm -hmm. you haven't watched all of mine, but I, I, I think a series of unfortunate events is an easy candidate for number 11 then. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'd, all right. I really enjoyed it, but I'm not going to convince you on that one. I don't have the love for the source material. It was fine. I those really three, like the source material. The fact that my wife likes it so much helps. The fact that we can watch it with the whole family helps. And sure. Neil Patrick Harris being oh, yeah, of course. incredible helps. Neil Patrick Harris is excellent. <clears throat> Surprisingly good singing voice. Maybe it's not surprising anymore. Not at this point. Um, Let's see. Of what remains, I think Stranger Things is the worst show here. Let's see. Fargo was middle range for both of us. I think it's safe to say Fargo's making the list. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Okay. Uh, and I'm I'm just looking at the list, trying to figure out... Is it, the problem is, I haven't seen Chernobyl, I haven't seen right. Barry, I haven't seen The Leftovers, I haven't seen, seen Twin Peaks. You've seen one of my top five. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it's I, hard to argue... You know, based on what I've seen alone, but, you know, it's, I'm going to do my best based on the knowledge of what you've presented. 
But of course, so, there, there can always look, be some bias there. You know, we're, I think, Better Call Saul is going to be top five. Obviously. Than both our top five. So that's a, that's a top five show. Um, Game of Thrones was on both of our, it's not, it's your number two. It's on, uh, you know, that's, that's probably going to rank not super low. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Chernobyl at five. Um, yep. Is, you said it's like hit, not documentary style per se, but it is no, explained. It's, definitely, it's like it's a definitely dr- a full drama. Okay. Um, but it's just telling you about events that actually happened. Sure. There are, there are some details that are um, exaggerated let's say. Um, but for the most part, all the characters were real people that did the things that they do in the show. I So I really like Brooklyn nine, nine, but I think, I, I think it's actually, I think that's a 10 candidate. I think it's way better than stranger things. No, like no, not even no, close, no. not even close. No, like I, season one of stranger things is better than some of Brooklyn nine, nine, but like all the rest of stranger things is worse than Brooklyn nine, nine. If we put Better Call Saul at number one, I'll concede that. Bone? You remember that episode? Did it work? <laughs> it worked. I didn't. I did not. I did not agree to that yet. All right, Brooklyn Nine Nine, number nine. That's a, that's a that's a pretty big trade. A number one for a number nine. I don't know about that. We did it. It's done. I don't know about that. We'll we'll have it there placeholder for now. Okay. Um. Let's see. see. The, the problem is with Twin Peaks, be, because of what you've described as the bare minimum to even watch Twin Peaks: The Return, combined with what the content is. While I might find it fascinating, if we're com- if we're combining this to a single. This is the definitive list of top 10 shows of the 2010s. It's hard to put that at the top of the list when the majority of people would not commit to that. That's fair. I, you know, like I said, this is not, it's a show I find hard to recommend to most people generally, but it is unabashedly my favorite. Hmm. Um, I, unfortunately, I think it knocks it down just a little bit as a result of that. Uh, let's say of the four that are on my list that you haven't watched, what sounds most compelling to you? I think Chernobyl's a low hanging fruit, but sure. the leftovers is the most compelling to me. I think that's the one that we've mentioned a few times that I, I just, I really want to watch. I just haven't watched. Sure. Uh, I'm, uh, and I was, you know, we both love, we both really love Better Call Saul, right? Sure. My number, my number three, and our number one. I truly, truly think that if you watched Leftovers, you would think it was better. Um, it, it is that good. And that is, um, that it's is a very bold different statement. It's very, very different show, to be clear. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's much weirder. It's got way more things going on that are like, that you 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 leave a scene going, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> um, 
that you like you it's a show that makes you think in a way way more than better call Saul is like a show you watch and you experience you're like wow the storytelling's incredible but you're not like thinking about the deeper meaning you know Hmm. i think leftovers would be a obviously for 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 us here you haven't seen it i think it's maybe an easier sell for a group number one but again you haven't seen it so i get it yeah it's i'm really trying to imagine and i don't have enough context even just from what you've told me and what i know even from our previous when we were talking about lead females it's uh or you know it's really hard to imagine that i'm gonna like it more than better call saul i'm not discounting that fact it's certainly possible and i like the concept as a general idea and it was already on my to watch list even before today's discussion based on previous discussions you and i have had um remind me where is it streaming that's an hbo show yeah that's a small problem for me. Have you heard I of Max? I don't have Max. Our good friend Max? Mm. Oh, Max from Stranger Things? Yeah. You know what? Let's, yep, she, let's make uh, that number personally. nine. Uh, let's see. Um, what if Better Call Saul number one, Twin Peaks number two, Leftovers number three? How do you feel about that? I am largely trusting you there. I... I'm trying to see because I like Mindhunter definitely up there. Mindhunter is very good. I like uh, Mindhunter a bunch. Game of Thrones also definitely up there. Um, blah. All right. I'll concede that. I think that's okay. fine. Okay. So we kind of have a middle block then to get through. Yeah. Um, while I do probably intend to watch Chernobyl, I don't know that i can say the same about barry it's intriguing and i do like bill Hader, but i yeah, think, I think barry is higher... less aimed at at you personally well maybe um i don't know if, if you like x you'll like barry fill in the blank for me here there's nothing like barry it's really really unique i've genuinely never watched anything like in, in a way that i've never watched anything that does Twin Peaks like obviously people tried to ape Twin Peaks a lot in the years since Twin Peaks and because it was a really really unique thing at the time mm-hmm. and Twin Peaks the Return has had some of a similar phenomenon there's really nothing else specifically like Twin Peaks the Return there's really nothing else out there that's really like what Barry's doing mm. uh, that all being said I think there's a case to be made for four and five to be some combination of Fargo and Game of Thrones how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think you're right. I had Game of Thrones ranked a little bit higher. Um, you've seen all of Game of Thrones, though, so you might be better equipped to establish. And I've seen all of Fargo. Well, all, the first three seasons, all you need to see. Yeah, well, we I haven't seen all the qualifiers. So, um, I think Game of Thrones at its best is better than Fargo, but I think Fargo is much more consistent in quality um there's not there's there's no episodes of fargo that are bad hmm. and okay like, if you want to say like red if you like if you're putting up like red wedding game of thrones versus 
most of anything that happens on Fargo. I'm going to go with Red Wedding because the, that like the, you know, those two seasons, especially like I said, of Game of Thrones are, just, are some of my favorite storytelling and fantasy ever. Oh, and um, I remember where I was when the Red Wedding, I watched that episode and that occurred and I was like, oh my God, I, <laughs> what? I, I didn't see it coming. Maybe I should have, but I didn't, I didn't read the book. So, Wow just wow yeah like when game of thrones is firing on all cylinders it is truly excellent but the the best parts of game of thrones are above fargo but the average the most baseline and average parts of fargo are above the baseline and average parts of game of thrones is what you're saying i would agree and then you have the issue of later game of thrones is just not it's just not great I, i i like i've said before um, in previous episodes, I like the last season of Game of Thrones more than most people. I don't think it's like the worst thing that's ever aired on television. I think that's extremely hyperbolic. Um, but it's not good, you know? Sure. No, I gotcha. Okay. So, so that's then kind of where I land. I, I would propose, I would still propose Game of Thrones hi- slightly higher. That's where I had it. Okay. And I haven't seen season eight. So I'm still, on average, I think you're still just higher. denying its existence. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I don't know. I've seen season seven either. But how about that's... this as a proposal for the block? Then Uh-oh. we bump Game of Thrones up higher, and then so we do Game of Thrones Fargo, and then Barry Chernobyl Mindhunter. Now Mindhunter needs to be above Barry, and mm-hmm. and I think. I don't know. I think Chernobyl that. needs to be above Barry for this is not um, no pun intended barrier of entry. <laughs> uh, I I really do think Mindhunter is an incredible show. I and, really like Mindhunter. It's very it, good. It's it's, it's a unfinished. little bit edgy. It's a little dark. It is unfinished. You're not wrong. Which is uh, damaging. It makes us wanting. It's, for it more. is forever. It is forever unfinished. No, no, don't um, say forever. Just a yeah. brief break. Damn it. Um, I think of the two that you've described here, I'm more likely to to watch Chernobyl, especially with it only being would you say five episodes? Uh, yeah, yeah. You just Pro- get through. I'm it. probably gonna bust that out one of these weekends. How about Chernobyl, Mindhunter, Barry? Yeah, I could do that. Let's do it. I think Which means we have a list. Reasonable. You want to look over it and see if you think you find it acceptable. Yeah, I mean it, it is acceptable. I, I I've been looking at it and I kind of figured this was how it was going to pan out. Um, I, I would say Breaking Bad, kind of an honorable in the middle yeah, there, absolutely. probably if it were if, allowed. Yeah, if 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 not tragically disqualified, um, you know, if we did not have if it, if our one per franchise upped, yeah, if it did, hadn't if, been one upped by a spinoff, yeah, it, if if not for our one per franchise rule, Breaking Bad absolutely yeah. making this top ten list. Um, you know, I thought the last time we talked about this, I realized that it it was disqualified, and I remember that being part of the conversation, and yet somehow it was specifically. This time, it didn't even occur to me. I don't know why. I yeah. 
completely blanked on it. But oh, wow. whatever. Anyway, it's run it back. It's a great show. One. Here we go. Honorary number uh, disqualified 11. is Breaking Bad. Honorary number 11 is Series of Unfortunate Events. Um, which ran from 27 to 2019 with no creator credited. Uh, Lemony Snicket. Number Patrick 10 is Stranger Burton Things. Has the voice. Go ahead. Yeah, number 10, Stranger Things. Uh, 2016 to current with the Duffer Brothers creating that. Number 9 is the Brook- is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Which ran from 2013 to 2021. Created by Dan Gore and Michael Schur. Uh, and number 8 is Barry from 2018 to 2023. Uh, created by Alec Berg and Bill Hader. Number seven is Joe Penhall's Mindhunter, trained from 2017 to 2019. Number six is Craig Mazin's Chernobyl, which aired just in 2019. Uh, number five is Fargo, trained from 2014 to current, created by Noah Hawley. Number four, Game of Thrones, 2011 to 2019, from David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Number three, The Leftovers, 2014-2017, from David Damon Lindelof and Tom Parada. Uh, number two is Twin Peaks The Return, 2017, created by David Lynch and Mark Frost. And finally, the number one best TV show of the 2010s is Better Call Saul from 2015 through 2022, created by Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. And that's a list. We did it. We're amazing. We did it. Better Call Saul. My number one, number one. A truly excellent show. Well, you had it at three. I did. I guess I have to watch The Leftovers now and see how true that would have been. And then I also need to go back and and watch, uh, you know, the first two seasons of Twin Peaks and the movie Fire Walk with me. And Twin Peaks of Return. And now, yeah, then Twin Peaks. I'm less Return. convinced that you would like that more than Better Call Saul. I think you probably do will will like Better Call Saul more than all of Twin Peaks. Because um, Twin Peaks is really weird and it's not for everyone. Okay, well, I think that's it then, right? Yep, we've done it. Another, okay. our 30th list. Uh, 30th that we're documenting. I, there's Well, and the, there's all the mini lists. and Yeah, mini lists and pilots and... But hey, we're 30 episodes in. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty good. So hey, now I'm talking to you, listener. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us argue. If maybe not as much as usual, but still. Taking the time. You you consumed this content, which was based on us consuming other content. Content. But we did it. So our next episode, in, you know, two weeks from now, Josh, uh, remind me, what was the topic that we agreed on? Uh, well, my wife came up with another idea episode or episode That's idea right. for us, and uh, she's going to be joining us for the episode as a result, as is our Even want. Even better. Uh, we are talking about the uh, worst monsters to be killed by. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, specifically, we're talking about, like, some sort of supernatural or fictional creature or something. It can't just be like, well, Hitler was a monster because he did bad things. It's like, now nah, we're talking about, like, um, a-, a werewolf or something. I don't know. Hmm. Werewolf, probably not going to be number one. No, I don't want to be killed by a werewolf, but True. I don't think it's going to make I don't list. want to be killed by anything. Well, yeah, let's be clear. That's... <laughs> I, I, you know... Our generation is not the the type that 
likes to joke about that as much. I have an idea of what is probably going to be like either my number one or my number two already for this upcoming list. Yeah, I do have a couple in mind already as well. It'll be a fun episode, though. I'm looking forward to the conversation and uh, to welcoming back your wife for her second ever our first, episode. Our first returning guest. Awesome. Uh, before we wrap up here, though, we do have uh, uh, the Unfinished order of business, business we forgot yeah. last time. Of course, of course. Um, what's better, Better Call Saul or Surf Ninjas? So I looked this up. Bob Odenkirk was in Surf Ninjas. What? How? I'm just kidding. He wasn't. Okay. That was like, incredible. I don't, I don't believe that's true. <laughs> no, it's not. It's because I just made that up. And in fact, it, Better Call Saul's better. It's not. It's not close. Just completely re- different. You do retain sanity. Yes. Now, is Surf Ninjas better than Brooklyn Nine Nine? No. No. Also, yeah, probably not. In fact, I, looking at this top ten, aside from ones that I haven't seen and can't really compare it to, I don't think Surf Ninjas cracks this list. Yeah. Tough to a lot do. Of really, a lot of really good TV here. Now, next week, you're going to ask me. Would you rather be killed by this or by surf ninjas? And I'm going to have to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Trying to think of how you could be killed by surf ninjas. Man, that's, that's a movie I, I'd probably have seen several times. Okay. Well, Hey, you know what? Until next time I've been Scott and I've been Josh. And remember, with a little practice, you can argue your way into a friendship. Take care, folks. Yeah, I I didn't even really speak about, like, Hopper and Joyce and any of the characters in particular. I... I... I really like a lot of the characters though. Yeah. It and uh Nancy reminds me of one of my first girlfriends, which is oh, kind of really? weird. Yeah. Nancy that, is my grandma's name, so does not remind me of a girlfriend. Oh. I this is awkward. I wasn't planning to tell you this way, but your grandmother and I Wow. Never dated. That would be weird. Although I did just see her this past weekend and I sat next to her for like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. We didn't talk much. (laughs) 